Music has always been such an important part of my existence. It has the ability to instantly retrieve emotions and memories, oftentimes providing the soundtrack for so many of the most important moments in my life. The Michael Jackson Thriller album was my first ever vinyl. I got it as a little kid, and I still have fond memories of laying on a blue carpet in front of my parents' record player and staring at that insert of Michael laying with the tiger. What a weird photo that was. Fast forward a few years later to me getting my first ever boombox from my grandparents with two cassette tapes, the Karate Kid 2 soundtrack and George Michael's Faith album. Now I'm sure they had no idea who those artists were and they just asked for a suggestion from the person at the counter. But that simple exchange defined how I listen to music today. Let's skip ahead to standing on a subway platform at the Union Square station in New York City. Every day I would take the train to film school and my ride was a long one. I'd have to go from 14th Street all the way up to 129th. Um, So that would give me plenty of time to listen to music. And the two albums that I had on repeat every day were the new, at the time, the new Nine Inch Nails Fragile album, which is amazing. I feel like that sort of started his career at scoring. Amazing album. And my favorite ever signed copy of Typo Negative's World Coming Down. That album is perfect. Uh, Both these albums still, to this day, stir a younger version of my creativity. I've always loved music. From my early days as a music store manager to my short stint on college radio, and then later in life to my career as a music video director. Uh, I've always loved the communal exchange, the sharing of emotions that music always seemed to have, not just from the artist to the listener, but from the excited people who share their favorite music with you. Listening to someone's mixtape or compilation CD were amazing. Just riding in the car with someone who made that for you, just feeling their energy as you listen to that music. It just baked in those memories. And I remember saving up all week to go buy three or four albums from the music store and having that clerk suggest something completely random. That's how I got into bands like Failure. Um, Or I would remember getting free tickets from folks when I worked at the music store and my manager came up to me one night and said, hey, look, I've got tickets to this band called Queensryche. And I had never listened to any Queensryche in my life, but Typo Negative was opening for them And he was so excited about this artist. So I remember going on this trip with him, this adventure, going to the concert, and being exposed to this band, Queensryche, who did this giant operatic play stage performance, which was really cool to watch. But more importantly, I just remember how my buddy was just cramming out this music, jamming to this music the whole ride up and the whole ride back. Um, So these days when I listen to Queensryche, I think of him. Music was as important to me as water is, and for some reason, not that long ago, it slowly took a backseat in my life. Uh, Working in the music store back in the day, I swore that I would never become one of those old people who doesn't listen to music every day, but somehow it happened. Why? Why did it happen? Is it because that 99% of all the music stores have closed? Is it because MTV stopped playing music videos? Is it, because that, is it because that radio died long before I lost interest and somehow still remains fueled by modern-day payola tactics? Did Napster kill it? Or is it Spotify? The death of artists and the birth of algorithm-created content? I don't know. 
And honestly, lately, I've been sort of examining this thing. And I'm worried because I'm starting to think it's because the human element has been stripped away from music for me. And it makes me really sad. So I need to do something about it. Uh, so I went, did this special episode. I went and I spent time with someone who loves music even more than I do. And that's what today's episode is all about. My guest today is a man who absolutely loves music. He loves to create it, he loves to play it for people, and he has such an extensive knowledge of film soundtracks and scores that make the inner movie lover in me squeal. Not only has this man contributed greatly to the world of hip-hop, but he's also provided music for films and video productions as well. He is by far one of my favorite artists that I've ever done a music video for. Today's guest is none other than the amazing DJ7L. This episode, I go remote and I surround myself with old school vinyls and album art at 7L's amazing record shop in Somerville, Mass. Now, I'm going to warn you, I'm going to do all sorts of cuts of music in this. We're going to be listening to a lot of music throughout this episode, so get ready and go grab those old school ear cup and headphones, dig through your attic and pull out your old record CDs or tapes and flip through them while you listen to this episode. Go back in time with us. And I advise that you sit back, relax, and enjoy the new episode of In Love With The Process. Welcome. I am super excited to be here on location today in Somerville, Massachusetts at an amazing spot called Vinyl Index. And uh, for those of you who still collect vinyls, those of you who are a slave to the uh, algorithms of the internet, then you know how cool that this place is. Um, and uh, one of the co-owners of the spot is my guest today, one of my favorite people that I've worked with in the past, one of my favorite used to hang out with from the music video days. Uh, my good buddy, DJ7L, or George, as I like to call hello, him. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? <laughs> like in, the no, in the non-existent audience that we have today. <laughs> we had like a false start, which yeah. is really funny, so it kind of felt odd for me to do the same I'm, joke. I'm staying on script. <laughs> I have the lines right in front of me. So, um, so we've known each other now for, Jesus Christ, how many years? Eight, maybe? A little yeah. longer? Prob- no, probably longer, but... Was uh, yeah seven seven eight years I believe right? Mm-hmm. Are the, so that when you are the video days behind you? Is that what you said? Well, <laughs> I, I mean they've been so, they, they've been behind you. Yeah, I guess. we'll get yeah, into yeah. that music okay. video stuff. But uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, George is an amazing DJ. Um, 
we worked together uh, doing music videos for um, Seven Hours of Tarek. Yes. And then yeah. uh, we also did videos for Zarface. Yeah, Hazmat Rap and Air Em Out. Yep, you got me on a moped, uh, which was <laughs> shared more than I'm sure I know to, amongst my friends. <laughs> I don't know how it happened when we started doing those music videos, but you ended up being kind of the brunt of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Seamus. It was Derek. definitely Seamus. Yeah. A little Seamus. Maybe Ian, too, I think, was, you know. We were giving you shit for yeah. quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, all, all for the better of the, you know. Well, yeah, because you stole. Yeah. You know what it is? Is you stole the show. <laughs> Especially in the edit. Because when we were cutting that, and we'll get it further into yeah. this. When we were cutting those videos, we kept looking at your reaction shots, and it was just like. <laughs> Because Seamus was trying really hard. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and you just sort of walked in and was like, yeah, all right, I got this. It was like you Steve, Steve McQueen did. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. I will take that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so for those, of, uh, those listeners out there who live in a cave and have never heard of you before... <laughs> Um, what do you, so what, what groups are you in? Tell, tell everybody what you do. Uh, initially seven L and esoteric or not initially, but you know, I guess co-currently, um, seven L and esoteric. Uh, we formed Zarface with, uh, inspector deck from Wu-Tang clan. Um, some time ago, I keep forgetting 2011, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, actually right after the, uh, the video we did. Um, and yeah, so we've just been doing Zarface pretty heavily since then. Um, we just did a, an album with Ghostface, a co-album. Uh, last year we did a record with MF Doom. Uh, Zarface, you know, versus these people are collaborating with these people, I guess you could say. And we kind of bring in all of our interests from like comic books and pop culture, all the kind of stuff that, um, you know, was the common ground when we were first working with Deck as far as, you know, I think we come from different circles, but, you know, the one thing is, you know, that you know, especially Esoteric and Deck have in common was their love for comics and love for, you mm -hmm. know, all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, for sure. Like, you guys are, I mean, uh, uh, Seamus is totally a comic book nerd. Are you oh, as big, yeah. Are you as big of a comic book nerd? No, as more movies than comic book. Yeah, yeah I think more, that's kind of why yeah, you and yeah, I get, yeah. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I grew up loving comic books, but shit, I mean, he's, you know, very heavily uh, still there, you know. Yeah, yeah, because he, you guys, have, especially with, um, Zarface, you guys have done, you've gone all out. So you've had yeah. like comic book cover stuff, action yeah. figures. Yeah, actual con, like, you know, so we kind of took the Zarface. Um, I think when we started, not I think, but when we started Zarface, we kind of, the three of us were in a, in a, we just didn't want to be on the cover. We didn't want to do like, you know, three, yeah. three guys standing in front of a brick wall. <laughs> and that's why the videos that we did really, uh, you know, pulled us in because it was just different than other, you know, hip hop videos that were happening at the time. We just wanted to do stuff that was, you know, the opposite. Yeah. So for us, um, you know, Esoteric came up with the idea of we should have a character as like our, you know, mascot, so to speak. Kind of like, you know, we always use the example like Iron Maiden and Eddie, you know. He's, yeah. 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 Um, and honestly, from there, it just grew. We were like, you know, we had the comic book cover and then the more the appeal, I guess you can say, of the group happened, the more... We were just pulling in other stuff, like, hey, let's 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 do a comic book, let's do an action figure, and do all these things. And which know. was like a smart move, especially in the current climate of, of uh, yeah buying albums and and yeah, and give giving people another reason to actually want to buy a record. As opposed, I think a lot of people do stream it, but they like collecting it as well because 
it looks good on their wall, whatever, whatever. It might right, be, and then you know, you're right. also roping in all those comic book. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, we get we do limited runs of certain colors and variant covers, so we kind of we do the whole you know that whole thing as far as you know that's very comic centric as far as yeah, yeah collectible stuff. So super cool. Yeah, like you guys have you. always done some really rad stuff, and I think that was one of the big reasons why when we first chatted, because you guys were the first. And the only hip hop act that we did videos yeah. for back yeah. in the day. So I think you might have had high hopes that this would open the door into <laughs> in, into into a music industry yeah, that was plummeting. Yes, I think it just crashed and burned on you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean one of the reasons why both Ian and I decided to do that video or the first video was because you guys let us do whatever the fuck we yeah, want. Yeah, and I think that was when we talked. From what I remember, you had the you had some ideas, and I I think you kind of were like just. You know, you like we do want to do this. Our time's tight, but if we're gonna do this, you just gotta let us just Have trust us. It, yeah, which you know we did. We we're like, all right, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sounds good. Yeah, that, <laughs> you know that first video that we did, it was uh, retrospects. I think yes, first, yes, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, you know, we went to uh, Truths out in uh, yeah his his bike shop, and you yeah. know, obviously it was a lot. We <laughs> it was kind of a day of a lot of friends hanging out, but then it just you know it mm-hmm. got it got pretty interesting with. Uh, when uh, Ara came into the mix. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Ara you was know. in the mix. Because, <laughs> like, we, n- I never fully work with, like, a, uh, you know, I mean, he was, like, legit acting. Yeah. Like, when he's yelling at us, you know, like, like here, I'll break and I'll laugh. or You know what I mean? Like, I'll, like you said, I'll break character. But he was, like, he wouldn't break character when he's, like, yelling at us in Russian <laughs> with, like, a gun to our heads. And I'm, like, you know, he just had that look of. I don't know, you know. So, but it was good. We loved it, and then we were like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah. That's why when we did Zarface, um, we're like, we definitely want to do something special for this uh, to kind of go along with everything we're trying to do. We want to, even now, like the the thing that kind of pushes us still is like we just want to keep something moving and uh, keep it different and creative. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just you know, like why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, an artist in general, and I. I think that's why it's cool to have you on the show because, well, a couple of reasons. One, um, you're a DJ and you're basically editing music live. Yeah. Basically. Well, right. yeah, it is like DJing when I DJ in the club, I guess it, um, it's more that. But then on the production side, it's, you know, as you know, when you're editing movies or anything, it's, film, the, same, it's, it's the, same the same thing. You're taking the pieces you like the best and, you know, kind of combining them. And that's kind of how I always looked at production. Uh, it's harder now with sample issues, um, but I always like pulling in something that is out of context from what it was originally from. So if you pull this, you know, jazz piece that was supposed to be a serious yeah. thing, but then you're pulling it into into something different that makes it darker or lighter or whatever. I I always liked I always you know from growing up listening to Public Enemy and whoever they were just pulling samples that um, when you hear the original one, and that's what got me into collecting records was being a fan of the different producers and trying to find the sample sources and just hearing right. the original sample, you know, nine times out of 10, and it'll be this kind of like, you know, very bright and happy record, but they're just giving it this context. It's very dark and aggressive. And it, that just always interest, you know, it was a big interest for me in producing, you know, hip hop yeah. or really anything. But. but at that point you're starting to get into like Tarantino kind of territory. Yeah. No, no, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really how you, it's honestly like the music, how you use it sets the mood, you yeah, know? And obviously sure. the, the rappers or whoever's on top of it adds another texture, but yeah. 
Well, you know what? Speaking of which, since we're here and we have you and you have some turntables, let's yeah. try something new for the show. We'll have you just do a little bit of live mixing in the background. It, sure. You know, you don't have to get too crazy with it, I'll whatever you want to play. I'll play a little something for the, uh, you know, this one we picked, it was uh, kind of made sense. Nice. Kind what of like electronic slash jazz. It's the Heinz Funk. I always forget the second part. Electronic combo. It was huh. on. It's a library record uh, from '73. <laughs> I love it. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so this, you know, this was like. Uh, is it too loud? Too low? You can control that. So like finding library records. Um, growing up, I was a big fan of uh, soundtrack or movies, which led to soundtracks. And library music was uh, just bed music that studio musicians were making in you know London and Italy and Paris you know various places just you know and they would sell them to TV studios for nothing or just you know they, really? they, yeah they'd press them up on records as like you know as like a demo reel like they would make like you know we used to have a bunch more on the wall here but they sold but you know when a movie comes out Jaws they'll do this band will make their own movie of like a uh, you know a shark movie so to speak with all the different scenes they'll do the breakdowns oh like an album so they'll actually full, make that album. full album and they'll you know send them out to studios and TV you know like the Night Court theme a, a couple things made it to America but like yeah that comes from library record no kidding so it was already a piece of music that existed and and you know so what do they just re-record it and then that, no that's... they just like they would send the record and here's your you know here's your like I think for Night of the Living Dead I think the initial, oh, man, I hate not not being accurate, but I think the initial music he used uh, in the movie was all library music, and then I think he changed it after the fact, like here and there. But some of the some of the uh, scenes, with because like you know it, it was very affordable. Uh huh. Uh, I feel like the whole soundtrack was because obviously he was doing that on a. So wait, I'm confused. So they they would just <laughs> they would just write up random music that yeah, they thought it, it, would go to, to to that kind of movie, and then that that style of movie. So the album, man, I wish I had one. Oh, that's cool. I, uh, actually, I'll pull one out in a second. It's yeah. um, it'll have the description, so it'll be like tense, drama filled. You know, it'll have the description of what's going on musically on it. And there's volumes. They have like hundreds of volumes of these. And what do they just like call it? Like shark movie album or the, something? No, they'll, they'll call it something interesting, like you know. Uh, sometimes tense action or, you know, vibrant something or, you know. So it's like early days of like stock yeah. sort of music, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it is, essentially, you know. Brad. Mm -hmm. And so then, and that was a good way for them to get work, right? Because then they would get the licensing. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, some, I mean, usually it's non-exclusive. So, you know, like certain volumes of them uh, ended up like turning into just full-on soundtracks for certain movies like Fucking like rad. nothing again these are movies with like low budget or not yeah, enough budget course, to pay Bernard Herman or whoever to, to do a score yeah um, but I think uh, George Romero for uh, Night of the Living Dead I believe it's all library music same thing fascinating because it's available they send them to colleges they send them a, they would send them around as like yeah yeah you know here use this it's like public access so to speak but if you're using it right you know, if you use it make money then you gotta pay us yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And this was like coming out of where, like Rome and stuff like that. Was this Italy? They had them everywhere. Like, like that. The last one was from uh, Italy, but they, you know, like the UK and you know Rome, kind of everywhere. You know, the states had a few um, library ones. Like, there's even you know, there's like an NFL library. You know, that they would use mm -hmm. during the NFL shows or just for various football things. And there's a couple. 
Um, but uh, most of these come from overseas. Rad. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so what time period was this like a big thing? Was this 60s, like- 70s, in, into the 80s, you know. Somewhere around definitely in the 50s. Um, and then by the 80s, they all just transferred to CD and or digital, you know. But right. now, but like recently, they've been doing a lot of reissues for them, you know, because obviously they're they're very collectible. And, yeah, fuck yeah. And yeah. so then you would dig into this stuff to look yeah, for samples? Yeah, because they were very hard to get. So it's not like, you know, again, they, these were essentially just collected among the industry or traded among the industry. It wasn't like you could go into a Strawberries and right, buy a, pick it up. a KPM or a DeWolf, you know. So... Um, yeah, so that was that was the appeal because it's not readily available, and certain specialty stores would have them, like you know the Sound Library in New York or A One. Certain record dealers overseas they were probably a little more available because that's where they yeah that's right, where they were made and yeah, yeah. you know and these were kind of dollar bin records for a lot of these people like in general so they weren't that's so fast because I you know but some of them are hundreds of dollars now if not yeah more, you know so because you know they're, they're really good records and you know. Yeah, and just and again, they're just great pieces of music that you, you just can't get. Right, you know? it's probably like a bunch of really amazing, talented session. Oh musicians. yeah, 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 like killing yeah, it. Yeah, like Bruno Nicolai, he worked with like Morricone a lot and stuff yeah. like that. There's a lot of people who came from those worlds and and whatnot. And they're still around. I mean, they still do stuff. They're still around. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but yeah, essentially they're just session, like session musicians who, like unsung heroes. You know what I mean? So yeah, and so that's another appeal too. It's like these guys are awesome and you know. Right, and they don't have the credit. Yeah. 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 That's a big... There was a documentary that I was watching, and I'm going to fuck it up because I can't remember it. Um, but it was about session musicians from the 70s. I forget what the movie was. The Motown one or the uh, Funk Brothers? Or? Maybe. There was one on the Motown backing band that kind of, you know, they did all the music for, you know... Dude, I forget who it was. I forget... What doc? I'm such a piece of shit. I forget what doc it was. Um, Trust me, I'm sure I messed up a lot of the lineage of the library um, stuff because hearing my own voice is. But they talked about it's, it's kryptonite for me. So. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm talking over myself. I'm, I'm probably getting the uh, the countries wrong of where certain libraries came from. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not good hearing my voice. But this is fine. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have I barely have a high school education. And I run the show, so you're fine. All right, the Stella is helping. <laughs> um. Yeah, so anyway, there was this doc I was saying that was all about session musicians. I think it was from the 70s, and they were talking about uh, a lot of guitarists, a lot of bass guitarists and okay. stuff that like would fill in for all these albums, yeah. and they're just legends in the industry yeah. that most and people don't most even people know. Most people don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool I shit. mean, well, the Beach Boys had one, too. You've seen that documentary yes. on, on Pet yes, Sounds yes, where yes. there's all these people, you know, because, I mean, they were layering stuff and bringing other people in uh, to do the actual recording of the records, whereas, you know... The rest of the band would tour and do the whatever. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of unsung heroes. A lot. Of, there's a lot, you know, and and you know, yeah, 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 yeah. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, well, I love your nerdiness when it comes to movie stuff. Like, Thank how you. does yeah, yeah. like were you like that kid watching VHS tapes when you were younger, or how'd you get into um, it? A little of that. I think a lot of it has to do with like I never slept, so insomnia definitely helped. Yeah. Uh, even now, I mean, I you know, I just. Uh, winding down is just watching movies, more or yeah. less. Whether I'm actually paying attention or it's on in the background, that's how I fall asleep. No, I, and I'm, I know it's not the best way to fall asleep, but <laughs> I, I, you know, it is. You start paying attention to the dialogue or something, and that kind of shuts your brain off, and then you, you go. Dude, I t- like I, I was talking about this uh, on a previous episode. For I couldn't fall asleep for the longest time, and what I was listening to was the Blade Runner score for a while. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to uh, Vangelis for for, for ages. Yeah, yeah. And then prior to the new Blade Runner, 
there were these MP3s. There was this weird MP3 album floating around that was just sound effects. Oh, was it environment? Oh, was it environment? Environment stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, I yeah. love that. That's good too. out to just like environment on the street that yeah. don't walk yep. don't yeah walk. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's it's really it all works i mean i was uh recently i was listening to i tried music for a while but it's you know i was listening to the conversation soundtrack oh i love that fucking movie man it's incredible yeah and the soundtrack's amazing so um like david david shire did the original pelham taking the pelham one two three yeah uh so that's kind of how i came upon him but that I mean, the main the main theme in that is it's actually it's something very common to fall asleep to. But I still go back to having my laptop in bed. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I listen to a lot of score stuff when I'm writing. Sorry. So when I'm it's all good. when I'm doing script writing and stuff like that, I'll definitely like lately I've been listening to the original Exorcist. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which I love. Yeah. I, like there's a bit in the Exorcist where. They're just smashing on uh, violins, and it sounds like they're throwing people downstairs, which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Um, sounds relaxing. Yeah, totally. Gina, Gina comes home, and she's like, what the fuck yeah, is yeah, going yeah. on here? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> And this is my work. So. Yeah, opening the door to that, I'm sure it can be, uh, you know, <laughs> um, the soundtrack to your lives. <laughs> but dude, the conversation is a great reference. I love it. I the love movie, that the movie. movie's amazing. It's, the movie's unbelievable. For those of you who haven't seen it, because there's a lot of young listeners, it's Francis Ford, Francis Ford Coppola, Gene Hackman at like in his prime. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, basically Gene Hackman plays. Uh, not a private investigator. He's sort of like an audio guy that listens in on conversations. Yeah. Hence the name. Yeah. And um, it's such a great movie. They basically uh, surround the whole movie with... Spoiler alert. They surround the whole movie <laughs> around a guy listening to a conversation in a park. And they're using at the time, which was like cutting-edge technology at that yeah. time, which was like long-distance mm-hmm. microphones and all yep. that stuff. Um, but they shoot that movie with uh, all long lenses. And it's like this repetitive sort of trance yeah. state that you get into yeah, when yeah, you watch yeah, that yeah. movie. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so badass. And the score was amazing in that movie. Yeah. And it was between the Godfathers, correct? Mm-hmm. Did it after Godfather One, right before Godfather Two, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think so, man. Yeah, it was like I the mean, pe- that to me. I like that movie more than I like the Godfather. Really? Yeah. Fuck okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. I think it's easy. George's like no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. I, I can see that. I guess you know. I'm trying to. 
Yeah. The Godfather is... It's a, more rewatchable. Yes. The, the Godfather <laughs> is... Yeah, I mean, The Godfather is a fucking piece of art. Yes, yes. You know no, what no, I mean? No, no, but this... Uh, people... Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, I understand what you're saying. This, this, is, this is just weird. It's good. It's in the way they tell the story and, you know, the end. It's just great. Yeah. You know? He plays a similar character in uh, Enemy of the State. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, right? I it's mean, like an unofficial sequel. Literally, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which would have been great if it was somehow tied. <laughs> I always assumed that it was. Yeah. Because they found him in the same warehouse. Same? Yeah. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's no. a good, that's a good, like, that's a good movie. It's that's Tony Scott, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Tony Scott. I miss yeah. Tony Scott. Tony yeah. Scott was the fucking man. Yeah. You know, like, uh, that movie was killer, obviously. Spy Top, Game. Spy Game was killer. Amazing. Obviously, Top Gun was great. Yes. But even his first, remember The Hunger? His, the Hunger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hunger movie <laughs> yeah. The Hunger is really great. So good. David Bowie and uh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. And his weird cuts and like the screams and the bat screams. It came out of nowhere. It was, yeah. Oh. And what was, what was this? What would he do after that? Like, what was the break? Uh, I think it was Top Gun. So he took like, what, five years and then? Oh, yeah. Crazy. The Hunger fucking supposedly was terrible as yeah, far as like was, release and, and it did terrible on, on numbers as far numbers as numbers and yeah, all that yeah, shit. Yeah. And then uh, they asked him to do Top Gun, which was. Uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer were producing it. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, he was, I think both the Scott, because I've been at their offices, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Both the Scott uh, directors, both the Scott brothers are very influenced by art. They like to surround themselves by art books. So if you're ever in their space, like they're just art. Everywhere. Art, yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Okay. And uh, his big influence from uh, for Top Gun was a lot of like, uh, homosexual photography, and so when you watch like the volleyball okay. sequences, yeah, yeah, and all okay, stuff, like, okay, a lot yeah. of like fashion photography, okay, which it was like the most masculine movie ever. It was literally, yeah, yeah, like a fucking recruitment video for the Air yes, Force, yes, yeah. <laughs> and it's hysterically ironic, the like his, his choice of, of inspiration, yeah, yeah, inspiration. yeah. Oh man, I fucking, I miss him, man. Even like, uh, Man on Fire, great movie, really great, awesome, really great, movie. yeah, and you know. It, it, it actually pulls to what we're talking about on the show because his editing in that film was so sampled. Mm-hmm. Like the sound effects and like how he went through and sampled uh, different tracks yep. and worked them into the score. So there's yeah. like a lot of like Nine Inch Nails sampling that he worked into yes. the score. Um, really cool shit. That's, Very yeah. collage Yes. You know what I mean? Which is what I, uh, yeah, always backtracking and That's kind of what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, yeah. So how do you, I mean, it just seems daunting to me, <laughs> like, just to, to find the resources to get these samples from, like, how long does it take you to collect your collection? Like, before uh, you started doing producing, like, how long um, were you just listening to albums and shit? Was I don't it, know. I think I, I always, once I was really immersed, I guess, into, like, you know, hip-hop or whatnot and, you know, such a fan... Just by nature, you're buying James Brown records and meters and stuff, you know, funk bands and whatnot, stuff like that. That is like the baby steps into getting digging deeper into stuff that you know, smaller pressings or private pressings. And mm-hmm. um, it used to be daunt more daunting in the '90s for me, because I would be I I wasn't making music. Uh, how can I? I wasn't making music for the listener. I was making music for other producers slash groups. So I was trying to sample the rarest thing or, um, 
you know, if somebody else had used something on that record, I wouldn't use the record. You know, it was a very stiff way to do right. it. No fun. There was no fun in it at all because I was trying to be so overly original or, you know. Because you're looking for the best. You're looking for something that no one else has used before. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, if, you know, like, whatever it is, uh, you know. I mean, because at that point, I mean, especially when you listen to a lot of songs from the 80s, you start to hear a lot of the same samples, where it felt like, I don't know what right I have to say it, but it felt like dudes were almost being lazy about it. Yeah. We got people coming in and out of the store here. We're, it's a live show. It's all good. <laughs> well, we're getting, getting fed more drinks, which is good. Oh, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Where the hell did Coors Light come from? We had we had one. We had one Coors Light. We had one Coors Light. Yeah, one lonely Coors Light in there that needed. Yeah, I love this. I need you. I need you on all my episodes yeah. where you just walk over and hand me a beer. Look at that. There's brown bag in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, um, so yeah. Well, no. Well, to back. I guess to backtrack. Like, um, uh, looking at it from my standpoint of being like you know white in hip-hop back then was a rarity so i looked at it as like a privilege to be able to oh, that's an interesting point to be involved i guess you could say, which or or trying to be involved you know obviously um you know i'm a guest so to speak in, this, mm-hmm. in that culture so for me anything i was doing had to be like this top rated um big thing you yeah. know what i mean um so every every little thing was uh overly scrutinized yeah you know what i'm saying yeah for myself course. myself not other people you know so like, oh okay so it was just coming internally internally because i felt like this has to be like this to be like that you know right and, and, and you got to be blowing it up to earn the spot basically yeah yeah just like oh i you know I, I have to you know i have to find the rarest record or the, whatever it is and uh and that um and sometimes the rarest record which might be a good thing is not as better as a dollar bin record that everybody has you know i was like I guess to put it, to flip it, like, if you're just trying to make a movie that's enjoyable, mm-hmm. then everybody can sit down and be like, that was an awesome movie, or the movie that's like, you know. Like this fucking artist, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. Dude, I completely understand, because I, I, I hit that same point so when, I, I'm, yeah. when, when so, I'm writing. Yeah. So I was just stuck in that for, like, a while, for most of it, and I think that's, you know, I took a long break, like, five or six years. Right before the Zarface stuff, I took a, a pretty extended break. I was just DJing more. I just was like... It's not fun. This ain't for. This isn't for me. I, you know, DJing is just fun. It's just good DJing, you know. Yeah, it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different vibe, and it's like for me, it's very secondary. And you know, I mean, I still do it now. Um, and I just took a break because I was like, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm more or less going through the motions. I'm not making stuff that I like. It's more stressful. There's no fun to it. It's just yeah. a lot of things. Of course, anything that's worth doing is stressful, but it's just a different kind of thing. And I wasn't, you know. So when we kind of reconnected, so to speak, doing. Uh, the Zarface thing, I just like threw the rule that rule book out, and I was, you know, a lot looser, sampling, yeah. very looser. And I, you know, I think it comes through in the music, whereas I think I'm making the much better music now than I was earlier on.
multiple though. I can make stuff quicker because I'm not I'm not agonizing over like certain details that don't matter to somebody who just wants to hear a good song. Exactly. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Like, you know, it's like digital or film. Like most people might not be able to tell the, if you're a casual, whatever, you might not be able to tell the difference and uh, or care. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So if you can get a digital camera and shoot something super quick in a week or you know take your time to spend the, to save up to get the money to get the film you know it's like it's, yeah, i guess right. it's kind of like that for lack you know for well i think when you're starting to get into that minutiae you're doing it for yourself more than you're doing it for anybody yes. else yeah you know? and i mean the stuff i do do like it obviously it's always for like i do want to make stuff i like <laughs> you know um but i think a big part of it is now it uh it just it it comes through, I think, in the process. Like we're even, you know, with, even with Shay, we're just having a lot more fun with it. Like even, you know, doing the videos. Like we mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have done those ten years prior. Like you know, kind of right because you guys had sort of a preconceived notion of what you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Kind of and that's why when we were doing Zarface, we're like, we're just gonna do exactly what we want to do, whether it fits into the mold of whatever we're doing. Smart. You know? um, but that's that's part of getting older. That's part of that's part uh, of yeah, graduating absolutely. into that as an artist. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys uh, were such a refreshing thing for us because when we were doing videos, we were doing a lot of stuff in the hardcore and the heavy metal world. Yeah. And there were a lot of fucking rules in that world. Yeah. And I, you know, the difference between both Ian and I, Ian lived in that world. Yes. Oh, yeah. He absolutely. exists in yeah, that yeah, world. Yeah. I didn't. Like, you know, I worked at a music store when I was a kid and I used to listen to uh, some heavy metal, but mm-hmm. I was never in that mm-hmm. system. And then I remember, uh, you know, MTV was sort of at its peak and I was watching Headbangers Ball and I was watching that kind of stuff. And I would watch, <laughs> I'm going to actually say this story online. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. No. I was watching uh, a Killswitch Engage video. Okay. Back when Killswitch oh, yeah. Engage started. And I was just sitting in a kitchen with a friend of mine. And I'm watching this video on TV and I forget the song and I'm friends with the guys. So, you know, yeah, yeah, shit. You can, you can. <laughs> so I watched this song and um, I watched the video and I go, this video is trash. And I turned to my, and I'm a young little piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I turned to my buddy, and I'm just sort of getting in the business. I'm just learning my stuff. I had just done my first music video. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I was like, this, this is a piece of shit. You know, and yeah. he, he looks at me and he's like, yeah, I agree. And I was like, I'm going to let him know. And so instead of writing, <laughs> this, is, this is how arrogant I was. Instead of writing to the, the band, I went online and I found out who their A&R rep was. Oh, wow. And I, and, That's... and I literally went and I called. Because they were on Roadrunner. Yeah. I called Roadrunner. And I I got their secretary on the phone. And I'm not going to say the guy's name. But I was like, hi, can I speak to so-and-so? And And she goes, please hold. Now, prior to that, (laughs) I had sat in the kitchen and wrote an email to him. Because he had his email address. I wrote an email just saying like... I'm a fan of the band. I'm a music video guy. Uh, this ain't I, it. I, this is not it. <laughs> yeah. I think this is lazy. Okay. I, I did this whole bit. So, and then I called. And so she goes, hold on. And then, so then the dude picks up and he goes, hi, I'm reading your email right now. <laughs> oh my God. So, so I'm sitting oh. there in the kitchen as a young piece of shit, like yeah. a young, arrogant piece of shit. And I'm sitting there in the kitchen and he's like, stand by. I'm going to read your email, which was a scathing arrogant email that I had sent him. How, how old roughly are you, let's say? I'd say 20, 23, 20, okay. around there. All right. So uh, the he finishes reading the email, and I, I can't remember verbatim what he said to me, but it was something like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, it was, it was that. It was yeah. that intense. It was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. 
and so I was like, well, look, man, I think that I can do this. And I have a great idea for uh, a great treatment for this stuff. And he's like, I'm going to tell you right now. I think he said something. He sort of placated me full within his right to do so. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Placated me, went through the whole thing. And he goes, I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to work with Deal Switch again. <laughs> you will never work with Really? This yeah, never work with this Okay. And so I, you know, it was a lesson for me. I was just like, wow, maybe I, even though I can get in touch with people, maybe I should keep my fucking mouth shut. Yes. You yeah. know, like that was yeah. a, like a big lesson. So I hung up the phone and years later, it just sort of came around. It wasn't like I was seeking them. Sure. It just ended up yeah. circling Have you around. told that story or? I haven't told that story to public. So this is oh. an exclusive. Okay. Okay. But I've told the story to the guys. Oh, in the yeah, band. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. 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 So they, How about the A&R? Have you? Oh, no, I've never. It's a, this never? will be the time he hears it. Uh, because I still out there. You know? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like we we did okay. uh, we did a bunch of kill switch stuff, um, and then he, I don't think he ever put the pieces together. So we did a bunch of kill switch stuff, and I got a letter from him saying, uh, "You guys have done the best music videos oh. ever from this band," and I've never, I've never. Oh, I've never. oh man, that is an early form of trolling that I don't know. <laughs> man, if yeah. we had if we had angered fans uh, calling our label a distributor I deserved it but their videos at the time (laughs) dude their videos at the time were terrible okay well you know and that's part of the whole system at that point and it wasn't because and I've talked to uh, Jesse quite a bit yeah and uh, Jesse was just like look the way that we get directors and the way that we get treatments is so ass backwards and we never really get to have a say and, and the big thing that Ian and I were doing at that time where we were sort of skipping past the middlemen like we never yeah. had middlemen with you guys no it was just us yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so the best stuff that we've ever created for any band was without the middlemen yeah I mean uh, and I think too uh, one of the last things the last label we were on prior to like my little break I guess because Esoteric did a lot of work yeah um, on his own that actually I think was much better than the work we did because again he was he threw the rules the rule book out the window and he did whatever. Uh, yeah and I, I think I was very much trying to stay in the constructs of what hip hop sh- like should sound like again because I was being overly like right um, I gotta earn my place in this exactly and, you yeah. know and, and that still doesn't go I, that, that feeling is still there as far as you know I mean I am a guest in that in that world it's not you know I understand it's it might be mainstream music now whatever it is but it's still uh, I don't think a lot of white people I guess you could say like look at it that way Mm -hmm. because they just grew up differently and whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, but that rule book of like has to be like this we have to whatever 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 you know boxes I was trying to check off it closed the door to a lot of other things where it could have you know things that we're doing now like we never you know doing an action figure back then. I mean one of our, our first single was all about comic books it's called Secret Wars mm-hmm. um, it was the, the the seaside so to speak the last song on side B um, it was just all about you know comic book references you know what I mean so it's always been there but like you know at that point at least in 93, 94 it, was, it didn't really fit fully into yeah. what was happening I guess you know what I mean so yeah yeah and Oh no! But I, what I was gonna say is though that we, when we were the last label we were on, was it was a big indie, so to speak. So it was very, 
there were a lot of middlemen telling us what to not what to do, but like you get those guys that have the positions in between yes, you and the they're talking players. to the video people, they're yeah. talking to whoever, they're kind of being like, mm, you guys should make more music like this, or like yeah. you know they hear some of the songs and be like, this is good, that's bad, you know, a lot more involved in our process, which like I just hated the whole thing. I was like, you know, I don't even like these people. Yeah, who the <laughs> fuck are you? Yeah, yeah like yeah, we're not friends, we're not you know like. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, dude. And um, I'm all set with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because you, you start to feel that when you start to integrate with these people that um, some of them are in place. Like, when you're dealing with people that are at the... Like, a lot of label guys that I've dealt with are great. Sure. No, absolutely. Totally great. Of course, of course. And and sometimes you need those guys to be in between you as and yeah. an artist because yeah. being a third-party par- a third party person... Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's the Stella. Being a third-party person... <laughs> yeah, and the Coors Light. Um, yeah. And the Coors Light. You know, sometimes dealing with an artist is fucking insane. Yes. Oh, trust me. <laughs> like, sometimes dealing with an artist is like, you, you, you're fucking kidding me. I just need a solid answer. Yes, trust me. I, I'm well aware that I'm insane, and I'm well aware that people I work with are insane. <laughs> sometimes uh, it's like, I want to put yes. a bullet in my face. <laughs> really? You want us to redo the whole thing because of that? <laughs> Fuck you. you yeah. Know I, mean? Like, I, mean, and, I mean, we still, even again, even with just, again, having fun with it and doing the kind of music we want, I've pulled a few last minute you know albums getting handed in in 48 hours and i'm like changing you know what i mean like that still happens because of well yeah but that also makes sense because you're you're also on the line it's also your name on the line yeah you know but that's you just being a perfectionist sure i'm talking about fucking wackos (laughs) i'm talking about people that ask for some crazy fucking shit you you get uh get shameless on the next podcast he'll tell you he'll tell you what a wacko i am trust (laughs) me (laughs) trust me (laughs) He has, he, yeah. <laughs> I, but, you know, the thing, I got off on that tangent about Kill Switch, but the thing I was going to say is that when we got into music videos, when I got into music videos, um, I was entering in a scene that had a bunch of rules. Yes. And yeah. it was like, there was very specific rules about metal, there was very specific rules about hardcore. And I didn't give a fuck about those rules yeah. because essentially it's like I'm a visual artist and that's what I'm doing. I'm a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Just because every fucking metal video is green with fluorescent lights. <laughs> Let's do one that's fucking yellow. Yeah. You know, and, and just that minutia argument and like trying to figure those things out with the label and with the artist was such a fucking task. Just changing the color. Of I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So yeah. I completely understand and I'm sh- I mean, your it, concerns about like what it is that you're putting out and how yeah, you're putting it out yeah. and earning your way in that. Yeah, absolutely. Because so. it seems like all like these... Um, like micro genres you know what I mean yeah. like you start to get into like these micro genres of music that have all their own fucking rules they start to become very restrictive in yeah oh, yeah absolutely yeah yeah and, uh, and that's a good and that's I guess the good thing uh, about when I DJ there's there's really no rules you're not going there hearing you know four hours of hip hop whatever I'm doing let's, I play everything under the, and that is the good thing is like with that and that's why at that point where I felt like um we were getting more stuck into a, a corporate situation with our label that, you know, I was like, I'm just going to go DJ because it's fun. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, if I want to play, you know, whatever. Prince all night, I can do that. Like, whatever. Whether people like it or not. And it's easy. It's done with. I go home and, you, you know right. what I mean? Like, right, right, right. Uh, and creatively, it's a little better where it's not like an album. You know, you're working on it for a year, two years. It's always going to be there, so to speak. So it's like there's a little more... Uh, attached to it you know mm-hmm. which is great too and you know that's you know that's what kind of getting back into it um was fun about it putting something out there that you're proud of that 
you do want to hear five years, ten years from now and be like, yeah, you know, like I still actually do like that. Yeah, cool. You know, and let's talk a little bit more about DJing before we get into it. Why don't we play something else? What else you got kicking? What else do I have? DJing itself is a whole separate experience. At that point, you're performing, right? I never looked at it like a performance, really. Because I don't... Um, I'll have some certain routines I will do, let's say. Like, yeah, this works. I know these this combination of songs works. I know what. The phone's still alive. That's all good. Keep going. We'll let it ring. Right? Yeah, that's it's fine. fine. It's fine. Um, that's good. That's always good for the customers listening out there. We, we <laughs> never answer the phone. Yeah, we don't care about your phone call. <laughs> I took the battery out too, but I guess. Um, so performing. Perfor- I don't look at it. I, uh, DJing, I don't look at it as a performance because I go with the flow. It, I guess, I don't know, maybe it could be. I don't look at it that way. Yeah. Because it's a lot, it's not really planned. I kind of show up and I'm going with. What do you mean it's not planned? I don't, I'm not like, well, these, this is the set I'm playing tonight no matter what. I kind of show up. I'm like, all right, we have the crowd's a little bit older tonight. I can lean more towards like this some, time period right? yeah or like it's a very young crowd i'm gonna be playing all newer stuff you know or it's a mix i'm gonna do whatever you know what i mean um and the other night i noticed it like when you guys came by on saturday yeah uh you know beginning of the night i'm playing a uh, little older stuff and then you know you kind of ease into the newer things and once the, you know everybody was you know was you know after midnight whatever it was I started easing into the newer stuff and I noticed that it brought the energy down, like, you know, playing whatever it was, Cardi B, whatever. I have no idea. It's not, you know, right now. But, uh, and so that kind of repositioned me to be like, all right, the older stuff is, even though it was a younger crowd, I was like, okay, the older stuff's working. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just stayed with that. So that, like, yeah. that's what I mean by there's no set plan. I just kind of go with the flow. And that was such a surprise, by the way, because I just showed up and I, right and I didn't even notice it was you. I just showed up and I was like, "Wow, oh, cool! There's some old music going in." And I think it was Gina. She's like, "Do you see who's in the booth?" And I was like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. And the, the funny thing is that like we were out with a bunch of her friends, and a lot of her buddies were just like, "Is that that's that's Seven L playing in this place?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's just a local spot that you no, like, no, just but go it's, in and trash around it. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, my buddies go. We just have some drinks, and it's so cool. Man. Yeah, and there's no expect you know, but that's why I like it. It's not you know. Um, it's different from other places I play at where it's, you know, certain clientele, you know, where there's W and you you can't, you know, play no hip hop, whatever it is. Like there I can, they just let me do whatever I want. Uh, and I do remember at one point Gina came up and she was like, I hate that you're playing this, but I love that you're playing this. <laughs> I forget what it was too, but I was just like, I don't, you know, but it was, no, but everybody, it was working. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she's like, this is, this is just, she's like, I can't make rhyme or reason out of this, but this is awesome. She's like, keep, she's like, keep going. <laughs> Um, and that, that's really it. I'm, you know, like if I'm playing something ridiculous, I'll just feed off the ridiculous of, of what I'm playing. And I kind of like doing that when you kind of throw a song out there that people are like, I can't believe you're playing that, but they're having a good time. So you taking, like, it must be, it must be useful for you as a producer. You taking mental notes on like, how bit. people are reacting to yeah, things? Yeah, a little bit. I think the music, at least with the Zarface stuff, it's, it's obviously a little different than what would be going on 
uh, at the where I was DJing. Sure. Um, but it's good to know, like you know, definitely, like I'm definitely making notes of like what is working and people are reacting to or still reacting to. Or, yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You and, know. and once again, I could go back to that fucking daunting statement. Like, how are you keeping up with all the new shit? Like, how are uh, you? Are you just listening to music all day? I well, here I am, but probably not a lot of the stuff I would be. It it it's. It's daunting on two sides, I think. When so when Zarface really started kind of taking off a little bit, um, I actually stopped DJing because it was daunting, paying attention to music I don't like. Right. Because I was DJing at a lot more places where I had to play stuff that you know was a little more top forty or, or whatever, um, mainstream. I don't know. And and at I, that point, is that like just clocking in, or you just fucking yeah, doing a job? Kind after, of like? in the beginning, it, like in the beginning, but like you know, it would it could be fun because I was still playing stuff I like and work it in, and also play stuff that is expected that I don't like. But you know, sure. I, I can make it work and be have it be enjoyable. But it definitely around you know 2013, 20 it became it became work. Just I was like, okay, I got to pay attention to what was yeah, you know what was big. I didn't. Didn't like any of it, you know, but I'd still like, you cannot not play it. So I was, I was just tired of doing that. The Zarfe stuff became a lot more uh, full-time. It always was full-time, but, you know, we just had a lot more going on. Right. In a good way. Um, right, right, so right. I was like, well, I'm just going to, you know, I still would do stuff here and there, but overall, I like, I pretty much phased out most of my gigs like over the next couple of years you know I'm bad at saying no sometimes so I'm like yeah, alright yeah I'll do it and then like <laughs> the night comes up a couple weeks later and I'm like dreading going and just like literally getting blackout drunk just to get through the night right <laughs> and are so. you are you doing a you're not carting vinyls around now right you yeah know. so it's it's um it's, I do two different sometimes we do all vinyl like we do a party up the street here at the Greek club um, at the Greek club yeah literally it's like you can throw a rock there from the cool. storefront and yeah we just we kind of just you know so you drag vinyls in and you start playing vinyl yeah just play vinyl it's a bunch of friends of us and you know a lot of people from here the marketplace come out in the neighborhood and it's just fun it just there's no when whatever we're playing is what we're playing there's no like can you play this or that nice. um, but where you saw me I use like Serato which it is it re it's they are controllers, so they're they're vinyl. It's vinyl yeah. that reads the MP3 that right. you're playing on your computer. So if I scratch, like I would on a record, this thing scratches. If I stop the record, it'll stop. So it it reacts just like a record would, but it's I'm playing MP3s. Mm -hmm. So I still get I have the convenience of bringing like 10,000 songs with me, but you know I right. have, I still have it's the feel. Everything's just like vinyl, you know. And so, so is it how mixing is it? everything? I speed it up. It speeds up. It reacts just like vinyl. So. Wild. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people now are, you know, kind of migrating more towards CDJ. Like, people even in my, uh, from my, uh, I don't know, because age you guys, group. Yeah, because <laughs> you get tired of carting around milk crates with vinyls. Well, even, well, with this, I only got to bring, it's the same amount of work. You just bring in a laptop and the controller vinyls, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, a lot of turntables and clubs are like 30, 40 years old. They run down, they don't work. The needles, you know, whatever it is that CDJs are just like, the next option. I personally hate them, but whatever. Not not because of a uh, from a purist standpoint, but just the feel of it. It's like it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I mean, I've used them here and there when you show up to a gig. It's all they got. You just roll with it. But it's just you know, I can do a lot more on vinyl. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, or a lot more on Serato on the controllers. You know. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's fascinating.
So now seems like that perfect moment to stop and thank the people that support this show. Uh, I'll get right through it quickly because I want to get right back into this episode. It is one of my favorites. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I enjoyed being there recording the fucking thing. Um, In saying that, let's just skip ahead here and plug uh, 7L's store again. If you're in Boston, if you're in the Somerville area, uh, and you love to collect vinyls, you love old school scores, like movie scores, amazing stuff. If you like 7L Esoteric or Zarface, and you like the music that's in the background, uh, George has put together a store filled with that music, filled with with those resources. And it's called Vinyl Index. It's over in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. You can check it out online. Um, But please, go on over there, check it out, support your local uh, record store. Like if they still exist, if music stores still exist, do yourself a favor and go on in there. Even if you just go in there looking for ideas of music to put into your Spotify playlist, go talk to the guys that work at those spots because they're going to have such amazing insight and really great suggestions for you if you're going to dig back through history and look for good music or if you're just looking for something new and interesting that someone else really loves to listen to um i i the theme of the show and i'm sure i'm hitting the fucking nail on the head with a hammer at this point it's about social interactions it's about interacting with people it's about absorbing their love for something um and then taking that experience into yourself uh, letting it inspire yourself inspire you as a storyteller inspire you as an artist um, or just as a cool fucking person. <laughs> anyway, okay, so our sponsors. Returning as always, our good buddies over at Puget Systems. If you are in the business for a new computer, let's say you're a music producer out there looking to build a new machine, um, there is no reason in the world why you can't build a PC. PCs are faster, PCs are more affordable, and PCs are upgradable, especially if you're in a music production um, because you don't need to have high-end graphics cards you can really build a slim down amazing system and if you're worried about building your own pc because testing that hardware and trying things out can be a really complicated thing uh, or if you're even looking for resources on building your own pc go over to pugetsystems.com the guys at puget systems build affordable systems um, that have amazing customer support behind them so if you ever have a problem with your system, you can always talk to these guys. They send it in a box that you can reship your, your computer at different times to have it uh, fixed or uh, worked on if you need that. Um, but the cool thing about them is that you can choose your machine based upon the software that you're using. So they have pull-down menus for like Premiere, for all sorts of different audio programs. You can go there and pick out the system that works for you. And then I highly suggest you talk to them um, because they will uh, customize the system with you have a conversation with you, help you build it, help you better spend your money, help you save some cash. Um, and it's a really great resource. I cut all of my movies on it. I do all of my work on my Puget System PCs. So go to PugetSystems.com and check them out. Also, longtime sponsors of the show is Rule Boston Camera. If you are a young filmmaker and photographer and you're having trouble keeping up with all the new trends, as far as new cameras are concerned and everything else, it's so hard to keep up with that stuff. You feel like you're in consistent or constant debt with these manufacturers and the producers that you work for always want the latest and greatest gear. Why do that to yourself? Go form a great relationship with your local rental house. And I say local rental house because if you ever have a problem with your gear, I know for a fact here in Boston, uh, Rule Boston Camera will actually send out a replacement part to you on set. So that's a big difference between 
renting local and renting on an online rental place. If you do an online rental place, you're kind of screwed. If you're local, you're not. Uh, you have that support behind you. Local rental houses like Rule Boston Camera will also uh, run training seminars, allow you to go in there and put your hands on the newest, latest, greatest equipment. They love independent filmmakers. They love young artists. Um, it's a really great resource for you as a filmmaker. So definitely check them out. If you're on the East Coast above New York, Rule Boston Camera is the place to go. It's rule.com. Uh, also, I'm super excited to have these guys as a sponsor on the show, Quasar Science Lights. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed as filmmakers or even as artists right now or musicians, LED lighting technology is through the roof. It's amazing stuff. Not only are the lights super cool to use, but now you can dial in any color of the rainbow into these light units yourself. So you don't have to go out and spend money on gels. Huge cost saver for someone like me who's always done high colorful stuff. Um, I would definitely check them out. They have some uh, really amazing LED tubes. I've got a couple two-foot tubes uh, that do fantastic work. Not only will they run pure saturated colors and they're dimmable, um, but you can also run any color of the rainbow on this series that I have, um, and they're programmable. So they'll run effects and you can tie them all together and build um, larger light units with them. Um, they're incredibly resourceful. They're really great for uh, key lights. They're really great for edge lights. And if you've watched enough music videos lately and you see uh, colored fluorescent tubes in them, I guarantee you that they're Quasar Science lights. So go to quasarscience.com, check them out. They will then refer you to different places to purchase them, vendors that they have. Um, or you can click the link on the In Love With The Process pod Instagram page. Um, and I on that link... In the bio, I have a Amazon link to buy the light that I have, which also will kick us some loot because you're using our Amazon link. Great way to support the show if you're going to buy some new lights. So go check them out. All right. Like I said, going to be fast. It's a fast one, right? Let's get right back into this episode. Thanks for listening. I forget what night it was. I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was a night that I went to that you guys were at. I'm fucking terrible at this. But I was at a spot where there was like, uh, it was like a scratch off. Like it was literally like dudes. Oh, was it the Red Bull thing? The Red Bull freestyle? Yeah, I think it was, was the it, Red Bull. Was Braun in it maybe? Maybe. But yeah. it, whatever it was, it was, yeah. it was very eye-opening to me being a guy that really didn't know much about the scene. Yeah. And really didn't know much about it. Um, and... Uh, just watching the artistry that goes into it. I mean, yeah. besides the fact that you're matching like beats per minute yeah, and sure, sort of sure. playing with that stuff, but just physically playing an album like an instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, Absolutely. Which is amazing. Like, um, I, th I think I did a night where I, I was hired to record, or, record uh, DJ Scribble, so I got to hang out with him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to see him do it one night. Um, it's, fact, it's, it's really cool, man. It's fascinating. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of the thing, like I said, with, um, with using Serato or using the controllers, you know, I, you know, I hate to call it controllers, but um, the control vinyl, um, I guess. Uh, it it, allow, it gives me the opportunity again. It, you know, it works just like I would if I was, you know, using records back, you know, when I started or whatever. Um, but it gives me the option to make my own edits, to make just certain things like on the fly. If I'm like, hey, this record worked last week. Mm -hmm. Let me, you know, make quick modifications to it. You know, like, th but this, this, and this kind of makes it harder to mix out. Of, whatever it is, you you can kind of do a lot more stuff um, with your music, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of just create a better experience for everybody. So when you were first starting, 
uh, doing like uh, DJ gigs. Right? Yeah. Were oh, it's you, vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Vinyl. All vinyl. Yeah. And yeah. were you practicing before you went oh, out? Oh yeah. Um. Yes and no. I would always pr- I practice a lot more then than I did now. Like I, yeah, I would go home and always like if I got new, you know, when I want to go to the record store, I'd bring the records home and you know mess around with them for hours. Like always. Do you have like a stack of like transitions where you're like I'm going to use this this? And yeah, this, this. I, I would like you know eventually a lot of it would be like trial and error playing out. You're like oh this that kind of worked or you know you do something on the fly. You're like oh it's it's pretty interesting. Like the you know it's a good segue between these two. Um, so those like going back, those are the only things that I would say would be planned as far as sets. Yeah. You know, like, I definitely have friends who, like, will literally be like, this is the first song I'm going to play, this is the second song, but, you know, going wow. down to song 200, and that's just their set. Yeah, And yeah. they roll with it, they make it work, and that's great. And it's, like, clean, flawless, like, more power to them. But for me, like, um, even back when I was doing vinyl, a lot of, it depends if you're, you know, you're playing a lot of reggae and the crowd's loving it. You know, you kind of stay in that pocket for a little bit. And then, you know, like whatever it is, I just I it's all reading the room. 100 percent reading what the crowd wants. You know, I always come back to some <laughs> on this show. I always come back to food shit. Uh, <laughs> but it's like the difference between baking and cooking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, that's why I was wondering, like if you have your bin full of transitions, or if yep. you know your little if you know how to get out of a certain yes. thing. Then you can be a lot more loose, exactly, as as kind of, and everything else that goes on in between all that. That's kind of how it goes. Like, yeah, I know these like four things are great at this point, you know, or whatever it is. You know, this is a good ending. So whatever, you know, I, whatever those kind of transitions or routines, however you want to call it, are, um, it's good to have those, and I do, and everybody does. Um, but everything that goes on in between that, I love the freestyle aspect of it. It's yeah, kinda like we're gonna figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like especially there at Brass. Um, so you have options like in the program where it's like you have certain crates, whether it's, you know, the crates, nineties hip hop, obviously all the stuff in there is nineties hip hop, whatever it is. I mm-hmm. mean, I just put it on all, which is basically my entire library and just go by BPM. So I'm just jumping song to song. Oh, fascinating. Cause then it's, yeah. so it's by BPM and then you know how you can transition. Yeah. I'm like, it. okay, this yeah. Madonna song works with this, you know, whatever Kendrick Lamar, song, you know, or they're in the same tempo and will this work? I don't, you know what I mean? I like playing it more that way than like, okay, I'm in a you know, new hip hop crate. So you, cause you can kind of get stuck mm-hmm. in that zone for a while. And it's, I don't know. I like having a little more fun there. Mm-hmm. I want to play like David Bowie. I want to play Jay-Z. I want to play whatever. Weird. So <laughs> you before <know? laughs> you had, before you had that, that, that program, did you have physical crates oh, set yeah. up by like beats per minute kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I would have them, they would be separated from like, I'd probably, I'd usually bring four crates one crate would be like classics, so those would be BPM. Then one crate would be like new hip hop, and that would be by BPM. Then it's like party records, which could be a mix of anything, and those will be BPM'd like in that crate. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know that so makes like, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So now I kind of like that party crate could have anything from like an '80s like new shoes or something, but also have like Beyonce, Crazy in Love, or something like that. So um, those are just two. Uh, super obvious examples, but just for you know, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but that crate, the party one, so to speak, I always liked the mix of it because it was like all kinds of stuff, like f- whatever it was, like whatever genre is just fun stuff. Yeah. So now when I play with my library on all, which is every song, so to speak, by BPM, it just you know you can kind of cruise around and you know jump around quicker to stuff, and right. you know it opens it up to everything. It, it's I kind of hate it sometimes because I'm not. 
I always liked, you know, seeing a record, the top of a record jacket, and I could be like, oh, that's that record, grab it, throw it on, and, you know. Which is I'm more of a visual person that way than sitting yeah. there reading, like, Because then you're going through fucking, yeah, like, bins like of shit. Yeah, you're reading, like, yeah. a book. It's, yeah. you know. Um, Which is fascinating. Okay, so before I get into that, so just to do some homework here for the people listening that aren't into music or don't know about it, BPM is beats per minute. Yes, so. yeah, so how fast a song is, so, you know, uh, you know, like, Biggie, Hypnotize is 97 or 94 BPM, and, you know... You music nerd. <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, that, that, that honestly, that comes from the, from writing them on the record, so, like, a lot, you know, a lot of those, like, older songs, like, New Shoes is 104, and uh, Billie Jean, I think, is 117, and, yeah, I mean, because you just got to know it, and you're just used to that. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm in the 117 range, what else is going to work with this, you know what I mean? So, and how do you make a transition out of like a 117 and go to a 90 like how do you make you, that transition? you really can't i mean you can like you can't because they're just so far apart so yeah. you got to either slowly work it down you go 117 then you kind of like pitch down you oh, slow down so then you're physically slowing slow that down. down like 115 then you play another record that's 115 you slow that down you know what i mean you can kind of work your you know subtract your tempo back down but if you look if you get on the mic you do like which i'm i don't which i hope <laughs> Which I hope made it, I made clear at the beginning of the show. So, because um, <laughs> uh, like again, I'm I'm still thinking about the library section. I was like, I think I messed up a few uh, a few way of the way I explained how those things go. Because <laughs> I have because uh, my partners from the store out front and people are coming in getting drinks and I'm I'm sidetracked. So uh, Dude, no, fine. no. But um, if you get on the mic though, like a lot of like. Uh, like real P or it's like this, he's, he's like a, uh, one of the newer guys now. Well, he's been around. I don't, I hate to call somebody a newer guy, but he's doing a lot of the clubs now. He like great mic. You get on the mic and it's, and you can transition from one seventeen down because he, he just gets on the mic. Yeah. You're playing something. He's like, you know, how are we feeling tonight? You know, whatever. Somebody says something quick and bang, you just drop it, you know, or, or, or you're finishing the line of the song that's playing, which is always killer. Like whatever it is, a big line that everybody knows you kill the music, you say it on the mic, then you're dropping it. You can go whatever tempo. And that, that allows you so much freedom to jump around, which I wish I had. I just don't have, I don't have that personality. It's, uh, it's been my, I don't know, is it crutch or Achilles heel? Or no, both. I think it's a positive, because <laughs> I've seen you perform, and I think it's a positive thing, because you have sort of this silence. Yeah, I mean, I... Which I, is kind of what we did in the music videos. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you know, like, I think the way I do it now is because I, 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 you know, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have the personality. So, like, even if I was to do that at gigs, I'd probably cringe after the fact of being like, Jesus, you know. But I love this shit because we're getting really nerdy. We're getting yeah. into something that I know a little bit about. So I'm fascinated as I discover these things. But I think a lot of times the notion for people that just sort of go to a club and there's a DJ playing music, they're just sort of like, I just fucking playing tracks. A hundred percent. Like nine times out of 10, except like, so at the W um, where we DJ, it's, it's so open. Mm -hmm. It's like literally you walking by this booth right here. So like, if you're just a regular person, you can see somebody physically DJing with the turntables, with right. everything. Um, so it might register a little bit. Whereas I think where most, you know, the booth's up top, whatever yeah, it is. People are like, back. oh, he just has a playlist. He's pressing play or he's on Spotify, whatever it is. Like, you know, so many times people are like passing me their phone with like a YouTube link. Can you just plug this in and play it? It's just, it's ridiculous. Fuck you. Yeah, 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 because yeah, Because yeah. meanwhile, you're like, I'm trying to make a transition here. Yeah. Right? You're showing up with I mean, this fucking stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it depends. And on, honestly, like, uh, depending on how, um, you know, many drinks I might have had, I can deal with it a lot easier. Where if it's like, <laughs> like early on is when it's an issue when I'm kind of just setting up. Like even though 
you know, the booth might be tucked away. Whatever it is, I'm a little elevated away from people. It's still a little it's nerve-wracking, you sure. know, because you have this room full of people. More and or that less. you're controlling, basically. Yes, they're like, you know, they're looking at you for whatever they're looking at you for. Like, mm-hmm. make us have fun. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is stressful. So if something happens early on, whether it's a suggestion like, you know, you're going to play this. Like, a lot of it's like, I will be playing hip-hop, whether it's, you know, the best example was one time uh, at the W, we were playing... Uh, it was me and Bron, we were DJing, trading off, but we were playing uh, Money Ain't a Thing, Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupree. What, it's like a late 90s, late 90s, late 90s hip hop, early uh-huh. 2000. I'm bad on dates on that one. Um, but a girl came up to me, she's like, uh, when are you guys going to play hip hop? And we're, I'm like, it just, you can't even. <laughs> and we were like, oh, we're not playing hip hop tonight, I'm sorry. You know, and just like, you can't even entertain it. Uh, but if it's early enough and something happens or somebody comes up with like, a complaint right off the bat, you're like, oh man, I'm already, you know, it just puts you in a different, you know, if, like, if you show up on set and somebody's like a dick to you or like, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get this right today, you're like, well, you know, you haven't even started yet. You're right, like, you haven't even not, performed yet. It's not even a good way to start, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, whereas, you know, later in the night, if I'm a little more looser and whatever, I kind of, you know. Yeah, whatever. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can come up with creative answers and I can, I can have fun with it, whatever it is, you know, and I'm not affected by it. Well, because so. at the end of the day, you're performing still. That is true. Yeah, it's like look, like a lot of people come up. Are you going to play this? You going to? I'm like, I like, I'm going to play. I was like, just it's, the only thing I ask is this: just like, go to the bar, have a drink, chill out. Like, just trust that you're going to have a good time. Like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, you don't need it right now. Someone's like, fucking paying me to be here. Yeah, I was like, just, let me do my job. Just chill out. You yeah. know, that that's like the best way I can put it. Early when people like, you know, you're gonna can you if they request a big so- whatever is a big song right now, they'll come up at ten o'clock. It's like you just got in the door, just relax. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Have some drinks. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm building something here. Just, yeah, take it easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, we just want to hear that for four, like, that's it. And you're going to leave? Like, sure. just chill out. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, it's going <laughs> to be okay. Because we come from the way things are readily available for everybody now. Of course, you can just feed yourself. You're just used to it. Like, right now, if I want to hear something, I'm used to going on Apple Music or Spotify, whatever it is, and Spotify and getting the song and hearing it. But I think I know the difference not to, like... Yeah, go to whoever or, you know. Right, because a lot of it is tact or the per- kind of person you are. Like I think people who request things are probably like the worst form of human being. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that that you know that's just bad parenting. I think <laughs> you don't go to somebody's house and you're like, hey, where's the? Uh, you're like, you know, you go yeah. in, you're respectful. Where's the where's the ketchup? <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Where's the ketchup for this yeah, fucking yeah, filet yeah, mignon yeah. that you just made? Yeah, I would I would have painted the walls uh, gray, but I guess yeah. I guess what you're doing is okay. <laughs> You know that I think it just comes down to uh, this is me going on a tangent, but I think that we have had so many uh, apps and and uh, programs that have been marketed to us where it's like you're in control, you have the option yeah. to do whatever it is that you want to do, and which is wonderful. But I I also think that that sort of changed the mindset of a lot of people, even with movies and shit. Absolutely, like, I yeah. fucking hate the fact that if you're watching something uh, of mine at home. You can literally pause it. Yeah. The fact oh, that you yeah, can yeah, yeah. fucking pause yeah, it. Yeah. The fact that you can actually stop when I'm playing. Because mm-hmm. I'm I, I spent I've spent thousands of yes. hours building that tension. Yeah. And the fact that you can stop that tension 
to literally text or go piss or do whatever the fuck it is that you need <laughs> yeah, to yeah. do. Like I, I was just in the movies last week, and movies are getting so long now. It's like two and a half hours. Where you're like, you're it's like, crazy. I'm not drinking anything for for like a, a half hour before that. It's crazy. And so I had to piss like at one point, and yeah. I'm literally just keeping myself <laughs> from pissing because yeah. there is a tension that is being constructed yes. and that is yes. built. Yeah, you would experience it in the. And, yeah. and that's what you're buying, and, and it's not that I'm chastising people for. Uh, using taking the bathroom. The ability, yeah, well, that. <laughs> but also, but also taking the ability to do whatever they want. But yeah. if you're physically leaving your home and you're paying mm-hmm. somebody, if you're going into a club, you're paying a fucking cover yeah. to get into a club, and there's a guy there playing music. You're there to absorb what he is processing or yes. she is processing. Yes, absolutely, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and if you're if you allow that to happen, you'll walk away. I don't want to say enlightened, but you'll walk away. Uh, experienced with a different experience than you're gonna go somewhere else the next night or the next whatever. Or you're gonna let fucking you know Spotify just yes. fucking random algorithm whatever you're listening to. Well, if you really want a mind fuck so to speak, yeah. Uh, when you put on an album, somebody can just buy that one song they want off your. It's like it's like I like uh, I like this one scene uh, in the movie. I don't, I don't want the rest of the movie. Uh, I just want the scene. I want the climactic scene. Uh, so so take that in is like oh. you know so that was like a big thing in doing the records uh it's different now with the streaming especially when whenever apple music st- i mean spotify was always big but apple music like really kind of um leveled everything yeah. because people fans would still support you by buying your record on itunes whether they could stream it or not right which know? is just like buying an album exactly but then when they were like Apple, whatever it is, even Amazon, you have a Prime account, you can stream whatever you want. You're not really, it doesn't even give you the option to buy it unless you do a few extra things to actually buy it. Yeah. So when that happened, um, in a bad way, because obviously, like, it really leveled the income or the sales, your actual financial sales, but it also made people just listen to the whole record. Be like, you know what? Okay, I do like that one song, but I'll listen to the whole thing now because I'm paying whatever it is for millions of songs. Sure, sure. but in the beginning, it was always like, because we would get reports of like, well, this song sold a lot um, off your record versus this. And like these people bought the whole out and it was just like, man, that's disappointing. That's br- I mean, it kind of was that way back in the music store days when you would sell singles. But at, at least of you course, at least course, you guys were course. like, this is a single and this of is course. a single. But then when you're, when you're independent, though, you're relying on like, you know, just somebody to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that's fucking that, fascinating too. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, dude. You're because like, they just want me for that one song. Because <laughs> you, you guys specifically, you're you're building a tone for the whole. Like I know Seamus has put out Absol- albums no. that are fucking story albums. Yes, that are absolutely. And, and we try to do it. We're, we're very um, particular. And honestly, we're not not that we're less particular, but like especially the first two records, we're like, you know, we'd spend weeks. What's the first song? What's the second song? Yeah. How should this song end? Like because. We're looking at it of people taking in the whole piece at one at one sitting. Yeah, and now we're like, all right, you know, like we're a little less um, specific. We're specific in the order still, but it it's not like you know. We I mean, I'm, I'm certain song, the ID, um, it the song, excuse me, the uh, the previous song would end at a certain point where the next song would end, like you know when you're skipping tracks. Sure. So the way the ID was made was like there was a little more air. It just like messed up the flow. Like sure. I, I remember it being a thing where we had to redo a master for it. Yeah. Because it was just little that I don't think it would have made any kind of difference to anybody listening to it. Even even uh, you know, but just the way we had envisioned it, we wanted these specific things to happen at these specific times. Oh, and man. I remember us. It was a big thing. And now we're like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> 
But that's sad. I mean, it, it, it is, but... but yeah, okay, so, <laughs> so here's... Because it's interesting because we're doing, going down into a hole here. I think that I equate it, I equate it with movies like this. Right. So, like, it, and I've talked about this. If I do a short film, right, and I make a short film, and I, I put a short film into a festival, it gets programmed into a short film fucking block. Yes. Which normally, you know, depending on how long your short is, it's usually like an hour, maybe an hour and a half long block. So they have like 12 fucking shorts that are in that block. And depending upon where you're situated in that, you're going to be lined up with shorts that are fucking completely, completely random. Yes. Where it's completely off the end of the spectrum. And then depending upon how good the short is, it leaves you. Like after you listen to a track or after you watch something, it leaves you with a taste in your mouth. Yes. Essentially. You want a good setup. Exactly. Right. Or lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fucking lineup. (laughs) You know, for people that are... That you're convincing to go to that festival. Like, if you're like, come see my work. Yes. I'm going to sell tickets for you guys. I've done this for a festival. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sell tickets. For, I'm going to fill your fucking room full of people that are here to see my work. But they're all at the mercy of this lineup. Yes. Which is fascinating because the difference between just buying a song for song basis or just listening to a channel that is algorithm to you. Yep. Is that... You have no real control over the setup. No. And you have no real control over the experience. No. And then you just start to run the risk of everything starting to become background noise and and white noise that isn't there. As opposed to like if you go back and you look at like early Pink Floyd albums or if you look at like uh, uh, even like... Paul's boutique. Exactly. Or I got into like Queensryche. Okay. Yeah, because Queensryche (laughs) was fucking like story story arc stuff. Great. Um, Even Typo Negative, like their story work in those. I never would have listened to those individual songs. Never would have given a shit about those individual songs if it wasn't part of that whole collective. Yeah. Which you're not seeing a lot of anymore because it is all single. Right? Is oh absolutely. I mean, especially now. It will not especially. It depends on. It really depends on what you want. But I think the consumer is used to grabbing what they know. Yeah. Which makes it like I think there are a lot of artists and groups who definitely focus on their record and focusing on the whole thing, and staying true to the artistry of whatever it is they're doing. Um, but I just think the way it's the casual listener, which goes back to the initial point of like I was making music for other. Um, Producers, because mm-hmm. I want somebody else who knows what I know to be like, oh, he's smart and the way right. Because you're it. you're trying to impress the scene that you're in, basically. Yeah, which is like you know if you were making you're like, oh, I'm gonna do these kind of cuts that are gonna blow this. Like gonna blow another fucking director at it. Yeah, but exactly. and but the person watching it is, is like they're not enjoying it. <laughs> 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 that, you know, like you know, they I, or they don't even notice it, which it, is even fucking it, worse. Which that is what happened a lot of times. Whereas like when people come up and they say they love certain songs off our first few records, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I'm uh, more now. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, what, what is it? What do you like about it? What, what's the? Because I am curious. Just as, you know, and, and what they like about it has nothing to do with the process of what I had. And I was like, it just. And, but I already knew that. But I just always like, kind of reminding myself that I was. Uh, yeah, I'm obsessing over this bullshit. No one is bullshit. You know. Yeah. But I, I do wonder in film, is it this? Like in music, everything is. I guess everything is centered around money. So I, I, sh- I know the answer to that. But as far as what gets something greenlit so to speak mm-hmm. is there as much like uh, like I don't know backwards politics I guess it goes into it like this is not really a good film but this person knows this person who has this person in it 
and I know it like yeah I mean it's an interesting thing because I have two pieces that are in development right now and I'm going through this process and the and the problem right now with the the movie business is going through what the what the music business went through years ago because now you have Netflix you have all these all this other shit Amazon, whatever it is like and you're, you're so literally awesome. begging people to get off their fucking asses and go into a theater yes and have a fucking experience in yeah. a theater that's that's what's going on right now and we're seeing basically the slow death of cinema yeah. like the very slow death of cinema um, and then the manipulation by algorithms which is a whole other conversation so uh, at this point you have money controls everything obviously oh, yeah that's, 100% and, yeah, and yeah. so that's a given so I, I, and you feel me. like you feel like I think the general mentality of most Americans right now and this is very cynical make it I, bigger I'm gonna make more than more than that. I, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm gonna be a millionaire for as little work yeah, as possible. Yeah, that's yes, and that that's the mentality straight across the board. So when you're dealing with folks that here's what blew my mind, right? So when an executive gets hired at a studio, uh, okay, go on. So when it, like a uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm out of that system completely, so I don't mean to, I'm not trying to talk like I am, but most A&Rs in music or sure. whatever, they're lawyers, they're accountants, they're not music people. Right, so Is executives, some, I, I'm not going to say that executives aren't movie buffs. I think that executives are movie buffs. I think executives get positions and jobs and they want to make certain movies because they, they like movies. Yes. 100%. Okay. But when an executive gets hired at a studio, an executive's lifespan is four years. Four years. And so if you happen to have a movie and you go out to market with uh, a movie and you pitch it to an exec that just started the job, your chances of having that movie greenlit are fucking through the roof because they're looking for content. They yes. want to produce stuff. Yes, yes. So like if they're like, hey, look, I want to make, I talked to a producer that was like, I want to make uh, horror movies and uh, this genre and this genre and you fit right in. So perfect. I was like, nice. oh, great. But if you catch an exec on year three, He's not going to fucking green light or do anything because, because he, he's literally going to get fucking fired on year four. Gotcha. So when you're starting to deal with that and you start to go out to market and you're dealing with new executives, old executives, your your art is at the mercy of oh, that fucking yes, system yes, that yes. exists right there. Because the lifespan of executives, as, as what I've been told, the lifespan is four years, which is fucking fascinating. So just getting something Greenland at that point, it's all about when you go out to market and who's out in markets are picking there, things up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's... So are there any studios that are... that operate with the... Uh, I don't even know. But at this point, I think studios are just like, look, if it's an IP that already exists, yeah. we don't have to do any work. Of course. Yeah. yeah it's so like if it's Spider-Man... Child's Play. And, yeah. Child's Play. And, like, dude, they're fucking just greenlit a Hello Kitty movie. Well, somebody, uh, it was, I saw it on uh, probably Instagram, but there was a joke of somebody, like, they took a photo of uh, the front of a movie theater. Like, is this 1985? It was like Child's Play, <laughs> uh, I forget now, Cinderella, like, whatever movies are happening now, there were already movies that came out sure, before. Sure. And I, you know, I get it. It's like, it's like low hanging fruit. It's like easy. But it's easy. I mean, yeah. you, for marketing value alone. And then if you're trying to convince the average watcher and you can't blame the studios because it's about the fucking viewership yeah okay i got gotcha, you yeah. so if you're trying to convince the average watcher to get off their ass because they literally have anything at their disposal there it is yeah yeah there it is so to get off your ass and go into a theater it's like oh shit you've actually created this godzilla movie with all <laughs> yes. these giant fucking yeah, things yeah, yeah. or you've done 
how many actors on screen for a fucking Marvel movie. Yeah. Like that's yeah, I mean, the li- big fucking push. Yeah, okay, that may, yeah. That's, that's the big push. Yeah. Or, thank God, horror. Yes. And horror is like one of the last genres that people like to go experience. It's still a date yeah. movie thing. Yeah. yeah so uh, it's fascinating. Even on like Annabelle, the new one, which I understand is a very main, but uh, my friends on Tuesday night, it was, uh, the seven o'clock, the nine o'clock was sold out. Yeah. Right in a row. And because it, people like to physically, yeah, it's like going on a roller coaster. Yeah, they yeah. like to get physically scared. Yeah. And I still think that being in a, a room full of strangers helps. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I love going to the movies. Dude, so I like, fucking love it. You know, but I also love watching it. But I love, you know, if I want to see the movie, I'm, I always go to the theater first to see it. I, it's just a different, it's the difference between buying a single and it's the difference between yeah. actually listening to an album. Yeah. And if you're relinquishing control to your experience yeah. like if you're sitting there going I'm going to have absolutely no control over when this thing starts you can't change the channel when this thing stops I'm here you're actually experiencing that art in its purest yeah. fucking form because you can't alter it right. like there's nothing worse than being a director and sitting in an audience and having a, a projector failure or that where it stops your rhythm and, and you're experiencing people stop their yeah, fucking yeah. rhythm that yeah. sucks it's just just to sort of take that into consideration when you're making stuff for streaming or you're yeah. making stuff uh, for the internet, knowing that they can stop and ruin your fucking rhythm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, I have spent like minutia, like yeah. ridiculous amounts of this is, hours. This is going to torment me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Just please <laughs> listen to it in its entirety. Please. I mean, dude, I, with 12 cam, right, with my, with my movie, mm-hmm. I specifically set out and I said, I'm not going to release this online. I'm not going to put this out on YouTube because I will have absolute, absolutely zero control over how people deal with it. So the move that I've been doing is that the only way you can watch that movie is if you write to me on Instagram. You have to tell me your three favorite fucking horror movies. <laughs> and if I agree with your three favorite okay. horror movies, then I'll send you a link. And then that link will expire. So... I'm taking that audience reaction and saying, look, you need to experience this on my fucking terms. I like that. You need to go through this on my fucking terms. Because otherwise, if I just put it on fucking YouTube, you'll be watching some rando fucking bikini yeah. chicks fucking jumping out of whatever the fuck. <laughs> and then randomly go and into not, that you movie. Know, if you're not subscribed, then it's like you get an ad 15 minutes exactly. in. Exactly. Like, you know. You're watching some bullshit fucking advertisement. Yeah. And you're like, oh, cool. I didn't know about fucking Huggies before <laughs> yeah, yeah, 12 yeah, camp. Yeah. So... I just don't. I, that's no, yeah. That's because yeah, and you're probably building, uh, not probably, but you're building mm-hmm. um, a much more solid base Fan of people piece. who are like, dude. I had an experience with this guy, and it, it comes down to albums for me. And I'm pumped that we're talking on the show because I really need sort of a rejuice <laughs> for music stuff because I think it's just so cold right now. The delivery systems for music just feel so cold. It me. is, yeah. I mean. I mean, and, uh, yeah, without being no. a fucking negative Nancy no, old no, no, man. No, 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 I mean, I, 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 if anything, I think I'm older than you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the old man in the room. So, um, no, I, I, I agree, but I still think when you do find um, whatever piece of music it is or artist that excites you, that kind of wipes away that, like, impersonal way of, like, you know. Yeah, like how you're getting it. What the Because you're already getting it for free. I mean, I'm assuming you have sure. some subscription somewhere. Everybody does at this point, you know. Even sure. if Shay's listening, even when he had Spotify, I was very 
pissed off. Set, no, oh no, no, because I've had it forever, and I'm like, dude, just get Spotify. Like, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, hey, have you heard this? And he's like, oh, I haven't heard it yet. I gotta get this. I'm like, CD, no, just like, <laughs> just get Spotify. Just get Spotify. <laughs> he's like, but I gotta hear the ads. I'm like, no, if you pay for it, there are no ads, and you can, you know, whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. But the very impersonal way, I guess. That, you know, because again, I own a record store. I'm here. We're here in a store. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things when I was a kid or younger, each store, whether it was locally in Salem or Lynn or, you know, in Boston, had its own little personality. Mm-hmm. There were other people shopping there for different reasons at each store. And you'd feed off that. You'd find out about new music because of that or because of the store. The owner was into whatever they were into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's a very personal way to find out. That's, you know about music and about things you're getting it from somebody else and if that person is suggesting something that really speaks to you you know their opinion of things kind of goes up a little more and you want you want to feed more off of it you know especially when you're passionate about something so um that experience i i do understand is gone because yeah of course spotify apple they have their curated playlists of the hottest whatever it is but a lot that's all controlled by money too it's yeah it's, you know, that they'll, it's they'll like cherry pick a few, yeah they'll, they'll cherry pick a few like you know true whatever underground artists just to have it in there to dress it up nice but for the most part ev- like you said money controls everything exactly. there's no you know um and they have like a very sure i mean one thing about algorithms and one thing about uh, the uh, polls and shit that they get back from this is that they can be incredibly fucking focused on how they're marketing this That's stuff. Crazy. Like yeah. Insanely crazy. fucking focused on it. It's crazy. Where it's like, all right, so this guy likes, uh, you know, fucking uh, like 80s hip hop. He also likes to, you know, like, like fucking, you know, Brazilian porn. Great. Bam. <laughs> Here's our very specific <laughs> fucking thing. I mean, yeah, because you know, you, they're yeah. literally keeping track and of all that it's shit. It's just starting. Like, it's 10 years from now. Like, think 10 years back, you know, like, now we're not even phased when we, you know, if we're having a conversation about, you know, we start talking about Volkswagen Beetles right now, I could probably open up Instagram and there'll be an ad for fucking Volkswagen. Volkswagen Beetles. We're not even phased by that right now. And that, to me, that's really fucking crazy if you think about it. So think 10 years ago, that was like some, you know. That was like a sci-fi fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's like a Philip K. Dick not, you know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, you know. So think 10 years from now, what's going to be happening with anything. And it's, you know, hopefully by that point. Yeah, and then is it better or is it not better and then at what point because I'm always trying to check myself and go you know am I just being a 41 year old fucking old dude and am I not just processing how the new thing goes and are people still as affected by music today as they were when I was I think I think they I don't know actually no 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 I, I think they are actually I don't say I don't know I guess I'm just trying to think I do think a lot more people are affected by music because they can get it from wherever they can get it from. Right now, if you suggested a group to me I never heard of, I, and it's not, I can find it somewhere. Instantly. Instantly. Like, in under a minute. You yeah. know, if it's not on Spotify, Apple, and I gotta go to YouTube or somebody's blog who posts, you know what I mean? Like, you can find it. So I think for that, and I, I do, I love technology for the, you know, those kind of things, I guess, because I, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love music and I love it all so I want to experience it all you know the best I can I do too but we both not to cut you off but we both have that same sort of early like going to the music store sort of mentality which is different so we're hunting that's true that's true that's true yeah but I mean even in here I do notice there's a lot of um, there's a lot of young younger like 20s you know whatever very you know like fresh out of whatever college whatever they are uh, interested in getting their new bands on vinyl, like the National when it came out. 
We yeah. had a bunch of people in that Friday when it came out because they just, you know, they were, you know, wanted to have it on vinyl. Sure. Uh, but also they want to buy, you know, a Sly Stone record or whatever. They want. They also want to collect old music. So there is a small pocket of people, I think, who this kind of experience, no matter what decade it's in, I think it's it's going to it remain special no matter what. If not even more now because it's such a rare thing. I just feel like in general that people don't realize that what they're missing. Like I think it's, I think because when you walk in here specifically, you know, being a music store person, there's something so great about album cover. That's album cover art. Because at that at that point, that's your first experience. That's your first sort of visual, sort of tangible experience with it. It's very easy skinning the walls here because it's like you know, it. it, But there are certain. (laughs) I mean, literally, there are certain colors. Yeah. If I think of if I think of like a a straight black album, I think of Metallica's Black Album. Yeah. yeah. Like there are certain colors that trigger music. And you'll notice it. I mean, the one thing too is like some people will be like, oh, because at night, um, where our store sits and with our lights on, you can if you're in the courtyard right out here at the marketplace. We're at Bow Market right now. and you're looking up, you can you can you know clearly see like that little corner right there, that little wall, and you know more often than not, somebody comes in like, oh, I saw that, you know, Iggy Pop record on your wall from down mm-hmm. there, or that Gorillaz record, like a cover that really stands out, that's like iconic. Um, you'll just you know. And then you think about the music, you think yeah. about you think about where you were when you heard that exactly. track. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so transformative. And then when you look at this, because I, I feel like the big thing with uh, uh, the online delivery system is that you start to lose graphically and visually what the representation yeah. of these albums yeah, are it's a jpeg thumbnail on the phone yeah. that's like, yeah and random and it's yeah. like it's like it's like uh it's not necessary it's yeah at that point yeah yeah it's just it's not necessary yeah. it's it's sort of like like fast forward fucking 10 years from now people are like uh, it doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> it's like just crazy because another thing one of the things that really got me i mean obviously I, I love movies but the big thing with soundtracks is the posters the movie posters fuck yeah all those classic 70s uh, the artwork, you know, like that just that was like sealed the deal for me for like for even wanting to collect older soundtracks or like, you know, a lot of the Japanese pressings just had just cooler covers because, you know, in America, they were just trying to focus on the star and whatever it was, exactly. whereas, you know, a lot of the, the overseas ones or foreign ones would have a nice little cool twist to it. You know what I mean? And here and there with newer movies, they'll do it. But it's always this, like remember when the American came out, the George Clooney, the mm-hmm. early posters were very much like you know like days, 70s yeah like three yeah. days of the condor type stuff yeah, like, yeah. very subtle and you're like oh this is interesting yeah you know um which and that just little subtle things like that will make me just great like like the movie you know well without i mean even seeing it be like oh like they put you know they're doing something different they're trying to it, it, it's speaking to me a little different than you know whatever then like is. the three faces of the actors on the fucking poster yes yeah and that's what you a lot of that is because of movie nerds very similar to vinyl nerds yeah being yeah. like hey look mondo yes yeah, fucking, they, uh, yeah. like all got, that stuff right before we started the podcast i just got an update of all these new things they have coming out and i'm like oh man dude i mean and that's just because of the cinemas yeah yeah you know the yeah. the the cinemas doing so well and then them having the wherewithal to hire artists to do that stuff i love doing that with all my movies i'll hire graphic artists to design really cool posters yeah because i miss that i miss that yeah when you look at the the '80s and '90s for for uh, movie poster artwork, you'd look at a poster that wasn't even a fucking scene in the movie, and no, you'd be like, like the Gremlins poster with the little the hand coming out of the box. <laughs> yeah. It's you know again, it's a very obvious, but yeah, you dude. still remember it now. You know what Visually. I mean? Or you know anything? So, uh, and that's it's it's more than just listening to noise in the background. You have 
your other senses sort of triggering what that that music is you have those yeah. other senses doing that and i think that's one of the most romantic things about music for me is that music becomes if correctly done i think musically becomes a timestamp for you emotionally yeah. yeah for sure you know for sure i mean there's there's in a good and a bad way i guess oh, why um That's a fascinating statement. In a bad way. What do you well, mean? Not, not I mean, not in a bad way. I guess depending on if. Is it changing the perception of your music based upon their experience when they first listened to it, kind of thing, or is it? A little bit. I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to formulate this into like something that's without without rambling. I'm trying to like get it in a nice tight one sentence thing. Nice such, a, such a producer such a producer <laughs> well no I, I have a tendency to ramble so that, that that's all well I'm thinking so like the Headless Horseman record up there the, um, the Headless Horseman of the Apocalypse uh -huh. um, that one is very much like a winter record the Headless Heroes of the Apocalypse I'm sorry it's a winter why is it a winter record um, but it's not a winter record but for whatever reason uh, at the time I, I was playing it very recently and it just like I got a very feeling of like a gray like somber time. I don't know if that huh. makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. For you personally. Um, yeah, for me personally. Not, not, and not in a, like a negative way. I didn't like start crying or anything. But, <laughs> but for whatever, and and you know, and it just, I don't know if like at some point when I was playing it, at that moment, at some sort of gray somber day, it hit me in a different way than when I first heard it. Like you know, 20 years ago, I have no idea. But that experience, recently, couple couple winters ago. Uh, stuck with me is is like the new way that I guess I am processing processing that. it, you know. And that's a perfect example right there of you know. I used to love the record. I mean, I, I I love the record. It has nothing to do with the record, but but now when you listen to that record, you think of something that is negative. Not really negative, just just different, you know. Yeah. Just different, just different. So yeah, no, I mean, but that's the that's the power of uh, good music, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. You no, know it's the good and bad. It's never really bad. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because saying that from a person that creates that music, yeah. you don't want to have any sort of negative stereotypes no. associated with it. Not at all. Yeah. But then it comes down to that old game, even with movies, where an audience feels like that once it's released into the public, it's not yours anymore, it's theirs. It's definitely not. No. I mean, that's... Do you agree with that statement, that it's not yours at that point? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You, that, that's, part of, that's part of the game. That's the whole George Lucas Star Wars fucking problem. Yeah, but he's good at that. He doesn't care. He lets people do. Do you want another? Uh... No, I could. I should relax. I'll take one more. Yeah. How about that? To close this out. I should, yeah, we should. I should relax. E e e there, you go. <laughs> there we go. Even though I think my uh, hand delivered beers. My Eugene McDaniel's analogy, I think, was uh, <laughs> it was stumped because of this Stella. I was. Yeah. No, I'm three beers in, and I'm I'm now at the point where I'm. I'm focusing on I'm formulating sentences. All right, let's go. Then then we're on opposite pages. <laughs> Hopefully you can uh, edit out some of that dead air that was in there. No, it's all good, man. This is I, so far I've been really excited about this episode because it's really nice to get uh, nerdy and very sort of internal about how music affects us. But also I think it's important for people that are listening to the show to remember the reason why music's made, how it's made, where it comes from. And you don't necessarily need to keep all that into consideration if you enjoy an album or not. Yeah. But if you're looking to have music sort of be more than just a quick cheeseburger, 
You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for music to be an experience and I understand like where it comes from. I do too. <laughs> I love, I fucking love you. It's fascinating in the movie side of things because you've essentially gone through this five, eight, ten years prior to what we're going through currently in the movie mm-hmm. business right now. Yeah. Because it, you know, uh, Napster, MP3s, all that shit fucking changed the face of Dude, the business. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, I, I was still buying just because of the way, again, going back to I want to support these artists, I want to, yep. um, whatever it is, or just, you know, I... I you're in the car, you want to put a seat, whatever it is. Um, uh, I was just used to that process and I liked it. And um, I felt like I was giving back to. You had a direct effect on the artist by whether or not you're buying the or album. Or just the, the industry as a whole. Not not that I have a direct, you know what I mean? But like, hey, I'm, I'm putting back money into physical media, yeah. records, CDs coming out, whatever it is. Um, but then I just realized it was, I was missing out on a ton of stuff a lot of artists that I liked weren't even putting their albums out on even on CDs they were just like streaming whatever it is or just off their bank whatever you know like and you know I had to open myself up to a lot of that um, I, mean, I did it early on like definitely like 0405 not early on I was late but like you know now it's I'm, it's secondary you know I didn't question it but, yeah exactly um, yeah it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see how what the future holds for it too. And it's good and bad, you know. Like, uh, you know, something like Netflix when they started doing original content, mm-hmm. and it was actually really good. You're like, oh shit, you know. Now with Am- you know, Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and whatever else, you know, like I think they have some good shows coming up. So it's just kind of there's, it's opening up a lot more. So I don't know from your standpoint if that's a good thing or a bad thing or. I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, interesting thing. I guess. Like I. I I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that a lot of folks would say that thank God that they exist because they are so new and sort of infant in their in their process that they're allowing any artist to sort of come in as long as for them it's a different it's a, it's a, it's a different business strategy as opposed to like having a movie in which the first weekend the studio makes the most Mm-hmm. basically on the poll so it's all about first weekend opening and that's how you're judged and that's the whole thing and, and so you're designing a film you're casting a film you're putting everything together for that opening weekend yeah, that's, that's essentially that's, what you do that's it yeah, yeah. and with uh, Amazon and Netflix it's subscription based mm-hmm. so they actually want you to drag shit the fuck out <laughs> yeah. they're like as long as people have to stay subscribed, stay subscribed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. who I gives a that. shit and so you're seeing the opposite sort of Thing where you're like, fuck, does this really need to be 10 parts? Or could this have been like a, an hour and a half long fucking gotcha. geez? What, what do you, what's your take on, was it Spielberg who said that Netflix movie shouldn't be? Well, and then Spielberg is like, got a premium deal with with Apple's fucking oh, yeah, streaming exactly. service. <laughs> you know, it, it just, you know, it depends on how much of that is, is uh, industry fucking bullshit. But yeah. I think that, um, I think that there are just different there are different outlets. Like I I've been watching um, Neon Genesis um, Evangelon. I can never pronounce it, but it's this anime thing from the nineties okay. that Netflix just put out. Gotcha. And uh, they're fucking great. And it's like this really great sort of or, like original. 
you know, robots having to fight fucking monsters kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, fucking 14 year old kids have to pilot these fucking things. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's that shit. But it's, it's the series that sort of inspired Guillermo del Toro. It's okay, the series yeah. that sort of inspired all these people. And it's, it's really fascinating. And, and watching them over time, it, it starts to get really deep and starts to get very internal. It starts to get really interesting. But this is stuff that was made in the 90s. Um, and then I'm looking at that in the lineup of stuff that Netflix is making right now that are anime things that are obviously influenced by that. Yeah. But the algorithms have have designed it in such a way where you're where you're watching these things and it doesn't have any of the juice, the depth, or the, yeah. any of that shit. Yeah. And so you're just sort of looking at it, going, "Oh, cool. I guess you know. Let's see what the fucking 15 year old kid says in the next episode. You yeah. know what I mean? And you're like, oh. and, and another great example of that is um, looking at uh, Hateful Eight. Tarantino's last one and then Netflix did their special cut which was like yeah. four four episodes the four fucking episodes of that show were so much better than the than their original content that was made and then the question sort of arises where it's like you know in the industry they talk about how Netflix really doesn't doesn't weigh in on creatives and they're just sort of like as long as it's fucking a certain length go nuts and figure this out yeah yeah so then you're like, okay, so is the feedback from the studios helpful in such a way for it to be better? Mm. And so, so you're looking at both both ends of it, where you'll get notes from uh, a producer or studio, that, which we've had on our scripts, where it's just like, really? You know, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, what yeah, the yeah. fuck? But because I have that process in front of me where I have to answer to these guys... It's forcing me to be even more creative within the restrictions gotcha. that are set there. Okay. And I think the content ends up being better. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird sort of learning thing that's happening right now. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what's right and wrong. Like we're one of the movies that we're developing right now, we, we went out to studios or not studios. We, well, we did studios and producers. Excuse me. And, um, when we first went out, it got very studioized. Gotcha. Where they would look at it and go, I make this character a woman, <laughs> yeah. you know, change this, change that. And I remember I was sitting in a room where it was all just sort of happening in front of me. And they're like, change this character to this and have this happen and have this happen. And, and if you put this together, then this is a thing. And I, and I just sort of kept my mouth shut because I'm very new to it. Yeah. You just, yeah. And you're just sort of like, and I just walk out and I was with my writing partner who has been in it for a while. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And he's like, yeah, it's part of the system. It's part of the deal. And so then we ended up rechanging our shit and rerunning our stuff and making our stuff more quote unquote studio savvy. Gotcha. And then uh, we went out and every fucking studio rejected it. No shit. And so we got rejected, 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 rejected. And, and then you're sort of sitting there going like, fuck, I changed everything here yeah. in order for you guys to even recognize it. And then, so and then we're going in there and then you're rejecting it. You're, and you're getting rejected on somebody basis. Somebody's else, somebody else's kind of critique. Fucking critique yeah, sucks, on it, which sucks dick. Yeah. And yeah, so we ended up with, uh, this, with this company that's really great and I can't say who it is yet. But no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, they're actually having us go back. Yeah, do... And actually go back and, and break it down and say, hey, make it into what the original notion is. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 weird. Being someone that's new and sort of getting into this game sure, and sure. being in this thing, I'm like... But you're not new. No, but I mean, I'm new to this. You're new to the business of it. The I business, guess, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, 
even though you've been in the business, but you're new to that. I've been directing for 18 years. Yeah, you're, but, new, you're new to that uh, mon- I don't know, monster, I guess. You could yeah, say. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah that's I mean, what it is. It's, it's, I mean, how, it's, much does, how much does an album cost to make, generally? To make? Yeah. I mean... <sighs> Without, you know... It can vary, honestly. It can. You can, you can do it for nothing and just record it. Uh, call in favors. You're recording at your own home studio, whatever it is, and, and it can cost you nothing, or it can cost you twenty-five, fifty grand. You know, it depends on how many mus- musicians. Whatever you're doing, like, yeah. like really, whatever. Um, it just depends on kind of. It depends on what you're doing. You know. Well, I mean, with movie shit. So, like, like well, that's the thing. Okay, so with music, yeah, like if, the four, like the guys, if the four of us were like, let's make an album tonight, you could probably make an album for nothing, no yeah. cost, because I already have the stuff. I got the equipment. I was like, Mike, let me borrow these mics for the night, right? Yeah. We can make an album. You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas movies, there's costs you cannot get around. No, dude. It, you can't, it's impossible. You need it's lighting. Impossible. You, you need these things. Yeah. So I mean, music, just, that's the one thing, sorry to interrupt, that with studio, like music studios and stuff like that, that also got flat, like, you know, flattened as well because, yeah. you know, with home recording, you can do so much more. Like stuff that I can do now, like 20 years ago, would be like mind blowing. You know, you can just do. You can do it on my phone if I wanted to. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, obviously, there's certain stuff. If you want a drummer on your song, you, you know, yeah, you can have a drum machine, but like you can't really replicate a drummer. So you, when disaster. you need those kind of things happening, that's a much different story. But like, like for hip hop, like, yeah, I got a sampler. I got you know, I got a couple mics. We can make a record. Yeah. You know? But yeah, movies is like is costs you cannot get around. Exactly. And all. then what what they've tried to do because technology basically made. Uh, your industry very simple for you yes at oh. that point yeah. technology and the advancement of technology yeah, it's crazy and they've tried to do that with movies like they've been like these these cameras these cameras can do really great things but the thing about films in general is that it's still such a collaborative process you, yeah that like, as an artist my paintbrush is like you yeah. another guy yeah like it like it, it just it's that fucking thing that's very difficult to do um, and I think that that I don't know I, I think that that, thank God that that exists because it's still sort of the byproduct of that is that I wholeheartedly believe whether it's an album or whether it's a movie, how the people are experiencing it directly affects the product. Yes. So if you're talking about like old Led Zeppelin tracks where they went and they fucking rented out that castle and they put John Bonham in the fucking <laughs> thing in that castle, like. Yeah. Ultimately, it has this resonant sound that's really amazing. If you're a fucking movie or a music nerd, you can't replicate. You can't replicate. replicate, But also, how did that space affect the entire band? Yeah. How did that space affect the songwriting of it? Yeah. As opposed to them sitting in like, like John Bottom's fucking bedroom. Well, there's there's a star like John, but he he loved Motown and James Brown, so that's what that that's what was influencing him. Uh, in his drumming whereas like other metal and rock people who were influenced by Led Zeppelin were like just trying to drum like a rock thing where it's like they were missing sure. that one ingredient of like you know he was take, he was influenced by something completely different from what they were uh, not that different because they were doing blues rock and you know it wasn't too far off but you know he was pulling from a different source of inspiration which was making their final product uh, different and original and original and yeah. everything else but I think the one thing too also with movies is because not that I'm speaking of any uh, of my own, you know, uh, but going back to what you said, I feel like the way you said a little of your system is remaining, right, mm-hmm. intact because you can't get around certain things. That's what also makes it the process of what you're doing, going from point 
you know, here to here. Because um, you do have to go through these channels because it is, you know, like with music, we can just kind of, we, we can wing right. it. Yeah, we right. can wing it. We can get around the things we have to get around and make it. There's kids finding a, a beat on SoundCloud, rapping over it, paying the guy 50 bucks and putting it out. That's their song. It's over and done with. Yeah. 100 bucks tops is what they spend, you know, getting yeah. a tune corner, whatever it is. Whereas movies, there's a lot of costs you can't get around, and that will trim the fat of people who are just kind of right. in it for the quick, like, I want to make a quick movie. But then when the process is really hard, they're like, you know, whatever. Whereas music, it's so accessible. It's so easy to make. Not, I hate to make it sound like that, but it is. You know, if you're somewhat talented and someone do something, at its core, it's, you know, you, you can do it. Whereas, like, I think with, you know, making film and movies and right, you know, every, the whole process takes a lot of time. And, and, and energy and focus and if you're not really in it for the right reasons you, those type of people are going to fall by the side and, you know. oh, well, and believe me there are Silicon Valley motherfuckers out there that are sure. trying to make it as simple yeah. to do as making beats right now yeah I'm sure Zarface the baddest one man army to hit town <laughs> untouchable was never in your reach You know, uh, without getting too deep into this, because we're we're at about an hour forty right now. Oh wow, okay. Uh, but you know, I get a lot of questions about lighting. Yeah. So the thing that happens with uh, with uh, cameras and stuff, cameras have gotten so fucking good now. It's great. I mean, your phone. It's is crazy. amazing. Soderbergh it's amazing. did uh, those the two films on his, on his iPhone on three. His, yeah, on his iPhone. He did uh, the Netflix one, Unsane, right? Yep. And another, I think it's on an iPhone. Or yeah. One was on an iPad. Or it's, just, it's crazy. He's got a deal. It's crazy. For the, yeah, for the shit. I don't know if he used any other lighting, but I, I have no idea if there was any additional. Yeah, but it's Sodenberg. Like, he did those on his iPhone, but it's Sodenberg yes. doing those yeah, on yeah. his iPhone. And then if you go watch the Nick. Yes. Which wasn't on his fucking iPhone. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Unbelievable. unbelievable. You know, yeah. and at that point, you're sort of being manipulated by, it's like saying, like, you got to have this fucking turntable to be a fucking, yes. you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. that kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So I think that with lighting, it's fascinating because a lot of people can just buy products. They yep. can be like, hey, look, I want a fucking red camera. I want an Aerie Alexa. I just go out and I buy those things. Lighting's different because you can literally go out and buy lights mm -hmm. and turn them, <laughs> turn them on <laughs> and not know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. And it still becomes this tangible art thing. It still becomes like... That's a lot of kind of trial and error, right? Trial like, and yeah. error and understanding how light works and understanding how to process that and, and just being in that space and being exposed to light yep. physically. Yep. Um, which creates your sense of style. Yeah. And creates your sense of presence, which is really great. And I think that's why uh, you see a lot of like uh, beautiful films that will range from like good times, which is very gritty, sort of like um, uh, street, fucking uh, street light kind of light. Okay. And then you have like 
Blade Runner 2049. Crazy. Where he literally rigged a ceiling loaded with like over 40, 60 Fresnel units on fucking chasers. Crazy. And it's crazy. It's it's nuts. And it's it, it, both both spectrums, it's just gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Where one night might just be a bunch of fluorescent tubes or LED tubes that are placed in places. And another one is like you're dealing with generators, multiple generators, and uh high end units like old tungsten school units. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you start to do the math on that, where that look alone requires eight guys. Mm-hmm. Physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That know what they're doing. That know what they're doing. Yeah. And then you're talking about overtime, you talk about union rates, yeah, you talk about all yeah, that kind all of shit. All the stuff that goes along with all that, that shit. And it's and managing people in general and everything else. Yeah. And I, I would I would argue to say that when you know that as a creative and you sit there and you go, Hey, look, I'm going to do this thing with these old units, mm-hmm. the actual task of having to deal with those salty motherfuckers <laughs> that are using those yeah, units yeah, I know, I know, is I know. actually affecting your creative, which yeah, is a, in a good way, which is like you're like, how long is it going to take him to do this? Two hours. Well, what if we combine these two things? Yes. And we do this. And then that combining it's never would have happened that, yeah, that, that if it didn't just, exist. That's the thing, too, in the studio sometimes, like when people talk about, you know, or not people, like me and my friends, we talk about, like, you know, like Wu-Tang's first record has a lot of uh, imperfections that actually make the record good. Yeah. You know, whether a muted drum comes in, comes back in like a second off or the, mm-hmm. the, the snares clipped a little bit. Cause you know, they're, they're doing it manually and but that's part of the magic of it, you know, whereas the second record's very polished. It's, you know, it's done very planned and everything was very, you know, specific, still a great record, but they both offer different things. Whereas I always like the, you know, the subtle uh, imperfections and mistakes that exist in things. And, Same shit with movies, you know. man. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I always make the reference of Die Hard. Die yep. Hard, the bit when Bruce Willis is fighting with uh, not ha- is not Hans, yeah Hans. Tell Hans his brother's dead. Yeah! So he's fighting with Hans and he does that bit where he comes down the staircase, wraps the fucking chain around his neck and pulls yes. him down that staircase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the camera's on some sort of crane on a dolly system that doesn't have, stabilization doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Digital stabilization. So that push in on John McClane as he's coming down the staircase with the dude, you never notice it. But the camera's shaking like a oh, motherfucker. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's shaking like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that that director was in the edit room going, ah! I know, yeah. The shot is ruined. It's fucking shaking. Yeah, yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. But it adds to it, the it scene. Adds to it. Yeah, it, it adds, adds to it. To it adds to it. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen that. I, you don't even I, think I, about that. I'm not even phased by it. Man, and you know what? Subconsciously, it adds to the fucking suspense and the drama. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I, I don't know. I don't have the right answer. I don't know what is right or wrong. I don't know if algorithms are the future. Well, they are well, the future. But I don't know if it's a good thing for Jesus music man. or a bad thing for music. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think none of it. Again, like I, I, I believe I said it. I don't know how many Stellas I've had. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like as much as uh, I think I might have been leaning towards, uh, you know, at least our experience in things coming up, whether it's going to the theater or going to a record store, as much as I lean on that being uh, the best way, you know, I do think 
technology helps us do a lot of things. Here we are. You can't, you mobily came into my store to record a podcast that just sounds great on the air. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it gives us these opportunities to have these conversations that you can share with, you know, thousands of people through your, you know what I mean? Like that whole, that's the joy of technology. Yes. To be able to do this on a pretty, you know, uh, very modest, modest budget. I don't yeah. want, I don't want to downplay what you brought here. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I, nice shiny, I arrived yeah. in a Lambo. It was yeah, hard yeah, to, exactly. for me to fit all this into a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But like, this is a perfect example of the pluses of technology. Sure. This is great. I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time on my phone and whatever it is, you know what I mean? And, and it's opened me up to a lot of other things and other people and whatever it is, you know? And again, like with yours, like, you know, in love with the process, it's just, it's up, man. Uh, yeah. It's just helped. It's just helped yeah. me as a person oh, cool. in the future create and uh, be able to create into other things. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, that's the plus of the technology and, and what's going to happen to us in 10 years when we're all half robot. I agree with you completely. <laughs> I agree with you completely. <laughs> I think that the negative of technology isn't the technology itself. I think the negative is the finance behind technology. Yes. I think the negative is the corporate structure that's the exists Terrell, behind. The Corporation. Exactly. Very much, <laughs> very much the Terrell Corporation. Thank you. Thanks for the beers, brother. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> nice seeing you. Um, but, and we'll wrap this up. But um, I think the negative is falling victim to the marketing of the tech. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think. And, it, it, at, at some point, everything's going to be owned by, like, one company. Fucking Amazon's going to own all yes, this shit. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. And it's, yes. But I think the power of being here today yes. and the power of having this conversation today is that people just need to be reminded that there is another experience and that yeah. just because the marketing tells you, hey, you have to up, you have to update your fucking phone right now, you have to have the newest fucking thing, it's yeah. very forceful. It's incredibly yes. Yes. forceful about this shit. Like, oh, you didn't do the new update? You don't have the new update? You <laughs> my fucking phone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, you know, no, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's, how, me that's how your friends talk to you. And it's like, yeah. why do you care? <laughs> why do you care if why I have the fucking update? As opposed yeah. to just saying, like, we're sitting here in a record store right now. We're sitting here surrounded by amazing artwork. Just understand that these still exist. Yeah. And when you go and you buy an album, if you go and you go to the movies... You're supporting those things because the unfortunate side effect of these places are that they're not for free. No. Like you guys Very, pay you guys pay fucking pay rent, rent here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You records, know, I mean they cost it's, to press the cost, yeah. It's it's you know, everything from the records that we do, um, you know, everything from the Zarface stuff or whether it's you know, we press records through the store as well. A lot of we're just doing it out of like just the love of being able to put stuff out there. You know what I mean? It's not like I mean, the our face aside. That's that's doing very well. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. no, but, uh, no, no. But when we do stuff, and you know, when you when we met earlier, we were having a meeting before of like, you know, we just want to kind of do some. Uh, you know, we have a couple of releases in mind that we want to do, um, with just some friends of ours who yeah. make music, and the music's great. We like, we genuinely like it, not just because we want to hook up a friend. And it's like, well, that's all that matters. You know, it sounds good. We like it. And, uh, but in a, in a current society where every like all our reasons for existing are being taken away from us by automation and everything else, absolutely, there's something really nice about remembering yeah. that there are people behind these things and that you don't, sure, 
I have Spotify. I listen to shit on Spotify. It exists, and like you said earlier, you'll find stuff that you never thought of before. I f- yes, but and, uh, the, uh, yeah, don't yes. fall victim into to thinking that that is the only way. No, and then you know, don't be afraid because we have such a large group of people right now that are, dare I say it, very socially awkward. Yes. Don't I mean, be. Look, I am too. I I hate leaving the house. So having to go to a record store when I was thirteen. Is like you know, I'd have palm sweats and you know. <laughs> I just you know, when you're a young kid, you're talking to an older, you just you know, and uh, yeah. So um, yes. Well, if you had any advice, because this is where we'll end the show. Okay. And I think it would be interesting if you had any any advice to a listener that wanted more than just what the algorithm is giving them for music. Like, what would you suggest? Of like how to find out about more music, or yeah, like like how to find an emotional, physical connection to music. You better ask somebody. It probably would be either with your friends if they're as passionate about music or whatever it is. Really, it can be film, it can be books, it can whatever. Is getting out there, traveling, going to other places, other stores. It's and I don't want to put it on stores because I have a store. But with physical media, that's the best way to kind of have some sort of personal connection. connection. You know, if you if you grab the record that you were like, you know, ten people are talking about that Shannon, you know, Nashville record, but you're like, this record looks interesting, and you got that, and you generally like it. You're like, your connections are there. Like that, some something about that cover spoke to me, and I grabbed it. And I hate to use the word "spoke to me" because it makes it sense. Yeah, but it's true. I was affected by that thing. Exactly. Something about this made me want to grab it. I took a chance on it, and I love it. Never heard of it before. There's the beginning of your connection with that. That you, you know, like how are you going to get that from, you know, an Amazon suggestion? You know, mm-hmm. what would that same cover in a thumbnail on a scroll at the bottom? Would it have the same thing? Maybe I don't know. It could have. Mm-hmm. We could maybe do a test sometime. But if they're even paying attention, to they, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't. It's like customers who bought this also bought. That. I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> you already got me. I gotta go. <laughs> I already spent my money. You got me on Prime. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> trying to sell me shit. Yes, but I mean, but. You know, there there are times on, uh, you know, I will listen to certain, just that goes back to uh, the DJ aspect where it's like, I want to pay attention to everything that's out there. I'll listen to like the, you know, like the rap caviar, like just to know what's, you know, the, the playlists that are out there and I'll find some stuff. I'm like, all right, it's pretty cool. Like even if the playlist ends or mm-hmm. it starts just going on its own, I'm like, you know, I'll go back, you know, what is this? You know what I mean? Or, oh, I forgot about that. So... Again, that could lean more on the plus side, but that's not always. I'm not. I don't have like. It's more that at that point. It's just more background, and I'm kind of doing, like doing research because I feel like I have to. Not because sure. it's like I'm seeking out this, you know. Right, because that's your job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's again, that's what kind of steered me away from even DJing uh, when the Zarface stuff was happening because I was like, yeah, this is you know, this is a job I don't really need now because mm-hmm. um, my time and energy uh, should be spent more on this stuff, and I actually like it. I feel more fulfilled. Um, but you know, here I am DJing again. But it's actually, but it's fun. It's actually fun. It's fun again. That's why, like the other night, it's just low key. It's yeah, dude. You know, a room full of people, just DJing, whatever. But you're getting a physical experience from it. Yes, absolutely. And that's important too. I think getting out there, um, no matter how introverted, extroverted you are, that is a big part of it. You know, like you know, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of a shy kid. I know I've been joking about it a lot in this, but you know, it is true. But I would still push myself to go out to shows and try to connect with other people other producers that were doing stuff just because that's just part of that's just part of what it is you know you can't 
you can't really do something if you're on your own little like island kind of you know you gotta gotta get out there and you gotta mix it up with other people gotta mix it up you know and that's the way you learn I mean I've learned a lot of stuff from being in studios with other producers other groups um, whatever it is just kind of like oh like that's an interesting way to do that or just watching a documentary on something and you know like you said John Bonham's in the basement and, mm-hmm. you know whatever Martin Hannett would put the drummers from uh, you know New Water on the group because you know recording outside with the air of mm-hmm. you know what's going on there it just added a different texture like all those kind of things are uh, I don't know just like it, it changes your perspective a little bit but doesn't like make you do it that way you just kind of like keeps on opening your mind to do things try different things right you observe it yeah there's something really interesting about uh, recording studios because I've done a bunch of stuff for Bose and we've done a bunch of live recording stuff and uh, hanging out with the engineer there it's really fascinating to see where he places mics and why yeah. he places oh, yeah. mics a certain way it's yeah when we when we I mean we do a lot of our recording at our different home studios like between Deck and Staten and you know Seamus at his house and my but when we go to like a studio studio like we'll do that for the final kind of run mm-hmm. it's always interesting the way they do stuff you know like if the engineers really like you got the engineers just like pressing record and like yeah. getting his paycheck but the, like we've been lucky with a lot of good engineers where they're like psyched to be recording us and whatever else and they're they're just doing stuff that just like oh yeah it's pretty cool like yeah like what experience did you come around yeah you, yeah you know and, that, yeah. and in that collaborative way that's kind of making the project better overall, you know, like, which adds on to the whole, like, connecting with people who are, you know, not intentionally trying to be like, oh, when Mike comes in today, I'm going to mic, I'm going to mic something this way, Mike and Mike, but uh, I'm going to put the microphone this way, (laughs) and that's going to blow his mind, he just, you know, probably just trying to, like, messing around, and this works, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, and those are the experiences I like in, like you said, getting out there and mixing it up with people. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I had such a blast hanging out with George, drinking beers, and talking music. I've been hung around for quite some time after that and went through some albums myself. Um, I'm so happy that his store still exists. I'm so happy that he's still making music. Um, And uh, after hanging out with him, I feel like that dying music love of mine has just been been rejuvenated so definitely go check out his store that's vinyl index over in somerville massachusetts um and thank you guys for the constant support on the show i as promised i've been putting out episode after episode i've been trying to make them better um and our followers have been going up on instagram so if you don't follow us already go to in love with the process pod that's in love with the process pod on instagram there you'll see all sorts of stuff that inspires me stuff that i really like i'll post pictures from when i'm recording the show um it's a great resource for filmmakers so definitely go check that out you can also follow my personal page at mike petchy on instagram there you'll see the kind of shit that i'm eating of course i'm a dude that posts about food because i talk about it all the time Um, But then you'll also see uh, behind the scenes photos and stuff that I'm working on right now. Um, A bunch of shit that inspires me as well. So both those pages are great places to follow me. And you can reach out to me if you have suggestions for the show, suggestions for guests, things that you want to hear, questions that I didn't answer. uh, That's the place to reach out and talk. And I'm always giving away uh, free screeners for 12KM and all sorts of other things, other prizes, other goodies, all sorts of shit. So definitely go follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Um, so yeah, 
Uh, really excited with this episode. I'm happy that we did it. Uh, it was really fun to be remote. I was able, because of all the folks supporting the show, I was just able to buy a new uh, recorder. So I have an, uh, a remote audio recorder to be able to go and do interviews out on the road. So I don't have to pack up all my shit, which is fucking rad. So you guys will hear some more cool shit, especially as we make that move out west. And I'll be going to do interviews remotely. Um, so yeah, I don't want to keep on blabbing for this episode, guys. I was really pumped about it. I'm happy that you're listening. Uh, keep coming back. If you don't already subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, or on Spotify, uh, all these different places. So follow us, tell your friends about us. The more listeners we get, the better the sponsors can be, the better the show is. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for my mom.